This is Tom King. I now write Batman, but I still love Dick. And this is still 11 o'clock comics. <laughs> Ooh, well, that's good energy. That's a happy woohoo, isn't it? Why wouldn't you be happy? We're two weeks away from road trip. Oh, you're really looking forward to this, aren't you? Are, wait, you're not? I oh, am. No, I am. Like, I'm not going to be licking the back windows, though. But I'm, I'm, I'm having fun. Like, I, oh, I'm not going to be licking the back windows. I'm going to be chewing on your earlobe <laughs> as you try and drive. Because <laughs> I'll probably drive the whole ten hours. Ah, oh yeah, because that's what happened last time. No, I just, I just like to drive. It's very relaxing to me. You know, the first year it was because of the rental and, and well, right. yeah. I wasn't on it, but yeah, I know. No, it's not a thing. It's not that I don't trust you driving. I just, I'm in the seat. I might as well continue, right? Mm-hmm. By the way, so cute. Yeah, the day I, uh, before the show, I was putting holding the bed. And this is going to be out of context if people are hearing this over the music. But he looks at me and he goes, Dad, you said something the other day, and I finally get it. I said, what's that? Pally goes, I'm not a businessman. I'm a businessman. I'm like, he's like, I get it now. He's like, because like he's bigger than being a businessman. It's like he's a whole business. I'm like, exactly. He's like, it's great. <laughs> he approves. <laughs> he totally co-signed on Hovis. Rubber, rubber stamp. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. All about the comma. That's right. It really is. Yes, not, it is. Not, not the Oxford comma, though. Stop it. Just see, that's where I got to part ways with the Oxford comma is, is law. Oh, Thank I'm with you. you, Vince. I love the Oxford comma. No, you don't. You... I do too. <laughs> oh my god! Wait, I wait, even time said... out. What? The Oxford comma. Yeah. Is when you put the comma before the and after the last mm-hmm. article. Right. That's my favorite. That is. I use it all it. the time. Yes. I've even I've, I've even brought it to your attention, and you're like, Nah, man, fuck that noise. He must have been doing his picks, his no, football no, no, no. picks. Wait, or wait, this, you must be confusing me with someone else. You're saying ah. so, like if I said I had eggs, toast, and orange juice, it'd be comma and orange juice, right? Yeah. Yes. And I've seen you say things on Slack, oh, actually, Twitter, I wherever. Put it that way. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I don't see? Put it that way. Never mind. So you're you'll wrong. Be, oh yeah. Okay. You're busting your balls. I don't know. Let me see what Grammarly says. One second. Let me pull up Grammarly oh, oh and see what it says. It, it While, really depends on your business's APA. Okay. While y'all are doing that, I'm going to tell them what this is. This is, yeah, 11 o'clock comics, episode 475. The countdown to 500 begins right now. Yes. And I am Vince B. Oh, now see, I could have, well, no, because that's that's, that's our boy's shtick. But I was really hoping you were going to be Mr. Jackpots today. You're talking to me? Yes, I'm talking to you. Oh, yeah. Well, no, I didn't want to be Mr. Jackpot because I did it last week. Mm. Call for help. But but now I'm... But but I'm. I'm but you're caught up now, up, is so what you're important. saying. Now it, it means is, something. It is. But I'm... I'm never, regardless, I'm, I'm David A. Price. Hello! <laughs> <laughs> Indeed you are. And I'm baffling billions with a single tweet. Confounding 20 heads of state with a single meeting, defying logic, decorum, and morality with every breath, I am Captain Kofefe! Oh, boy. 
And and you're peeking the damn meter because you're too close to the microphone. Well, but anyway, I'm peeking the mic on purpose because that's what he would do. Yeah, he eats a lot more than a mic. And no, you're not Captain Kofefi. You are Jason <laughs> Wood. You're a level-headed, intelligent, respectful individual. Sometimes. Yes, you are. Sometimes. All the time. All the time. <laughs> Except when I burp and you get all upset. Yeah. Okay. Ninety-nine percent of the time. <laughs> you're right. Let me guess. You burped before you hit record many so times, the, many mm-hmm. times. I, and I and I click on the mute when I burp during the show. Well, Jason but, hits the mute, but then he forgets, and he'll <laughs> tell us a whole thing about what he read. And we're just, ah, man, know. it was so dope. What, in silence. <laughs> silence. Uh, it's a rope all of a sudden. I see. Yeah, you know. <laughs> fine, it was that kind of party. You know what else is dope? The hotness, the dopeness, the rizzle. It is discount comic book service. DCBService.com will get you your comics for a fraction of the cover price. What could be better, right? You say you don't have much money to buy comics. Well, here's a way to stretch that dollar even further. DCBService.com. The list of specials is not up yet because we're in that gray area. The uh, I believe the uh, the order has closed for this month, right? It's the thirty mm-hmm. first, yes. so yeah. Yes, because I I finally submitted mine, so that, that's why I know it's closed. You come right down to the wire, don't you? I really I I suck. Do you I, get, I just, do you get that Star Trek book? Damn right, I did. My man, we team up on that. Me and you. Yes. Not with Jason. Just me and you. No, we'll not be partaking. It'll be, it'll be when he's uh, in Hawaii or something. Don't worry about it. Yeah. No, I told you no, no single trip. You got the great poop well, on. That's because you know you got. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but anyway, discount comic book service. You get your books, you get them cheap, you get them delivered right to your door. All you got to do is hop on the internet, dcbservice.com, look for the books you want in this month's order. You click on them, add to cart, okay, blah blah blah. They total it up. You pay little, you get lot. See how it works. It is simple AF, and you can partake. Just go to Discount Comic Book Service, dcbservice.com. The best. Mm-hmm. I'm at a loss when there's nothing to, 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 to brag about, other than their fantastic service and low prices. But mm-hmm. when there's books to add to the mix, I can go for like 20 minutes. But, you know. And we can no, they're no longer Indiana's best. No. Oh. They're not Tennessee's best. Tennessee. 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 The uh and and not to um go off on too much of a tangent for Ryan Brownie, but we I don't know if you guys read the horror story that um Christina recounted regarding the moving company. Was there comics uh, involved? No. Oh, okay. There was some framed art involved. Oh, it well. Was, it was it was a horrendous experience, and I really feel for her. And, and it was it's something that nobody should uh, should have to go through. And I hope it just gets rectified and 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 things are yeah. taken care of. But it was it was not not pretty. You don't want anybody messing true. with your junk. A lot of positive karma and love to our friends, the Merklers. I'm sure it'll all work out in the end, though. Yes, because yes. good things happen to good people. Very true. All right. Let's get this over with. What are we drinking? So, in other words, it's time to pause for the non-professional component of the Stop. show. Stop. What, what y'all? <laughs> what y'all drinking? I'll I'll go because mine, as usual, is very brief. It's yeah, it's okay. diet, diet Pepsi. It's very carbonated. You're so totes cute. I am. 
He's saving the beer well, drinker for driving. I am. I'm going to pick us up. I'm going to pick us up. Okay. We're two weeks away from Heroes Con. I can barely contain myself with excitement. Which is why. Which is why I dusted off, went out to the fridge in the in the garage, <laughs> aka the beer fridge. Yeah. Okay. And I. What it is? No, I know. I know. I know. Most, and I. Most, po- huh? No, I'm saying when when yes yes it's the beer fridge. Man, you're skeptical. He's just tromping all over each other. Is that Crusade all of a sudden? Ooh, oh, I like that. Nice. That was very good. Thank you. I pulled out some Guinness Blonde American Lager. Wow. Diggity dog. 5% alcohol by volume. Brewed in Latrobe, PA, which is a little odd since it's Guinness. But nevertheless, it is a tasty beverage. It is. Not a whole lot of alcohol, though. 5%. That's not much. Yeah, but it's blonde. Huh. The, uh, I mean, that 11% happen. are we are drinking from Flying Dog. I forget the name More of it. More alcohol than Pepsi in there. Pepsi has everybody. That's true. Oh, that's very, hey. Their friend. Why my balls? Uh, you know, I'm, I, because I am not a, um, I don't care for the stout. I, I, I uh, I tend not, I, I don't avoid, but I tend to overlook anything Guinness, but, but, but you've intrigued me with this blonde lager. So I might, if it doesn't have an I, a P, and an A in the, in the name, it ain't shit. I don't drink IPAs. They're the worst. The oh, goat. they are not the worst. <laughs> they're the goat. Uh, Seriously, what do you have against IPAs? Lit, as my son would say, they're not lit. Well, what do you they're have against lit. the IPA? The taste. All bitter and Jesus. Yeah. Taste is like manna from heaven. <laughs> <laughs> it's Kubla Khan drinking the milk. All right, David, what are you Kubla drinking? I love them in the Karate Kid movie. The uh, I am drinking Motto, the Backbone Cabernet Sauvignon from California. Oh, that's cool. Nice. Any thank yous to pass around? Uh, nope, not this week. Uh, no, I'm I drawing, I don't. I don't believe so. I have thank yous. I have I have a thank you for everyone that that continues to listen, and I have a thank you for everyone that is participating in our extracurricular activities, be it the Eleven O'clock Comics website. 11oClockComics.com, yes. our Facebook page, our Patreon yes. thing, our Twitter yes. streams. Just thanks for being there. I love it. How about that? I love it. I read all of the comics this week. No, because I read all of the comics, and my list on our Slack channel is decidedly longer than yours. It may be longer, but quality-wise, I think I got you beat. You're saying it's about the motion in the ocean? Yes. Can we get it out of the way first so you can you can rise up after you, you've listened to David and I talk about this book? I, I don't know if you've read it, but I, I would just like to start with this because then maybe you'll participate later in the show. By all means, sir. Okay. Producer extraordinaire. Written by Scott Snyder and Steve Orlando. Illustrated by Riley Rosmo. Color art by Ivan Plasencia. It's published uh, a joint effort from DC and Dynamite. It is Batman, the Shadow Number Two. Two? Now, now am I allowed to talk about this? Oh, the, I didn't know. I don't know if you've read it. Stay quiet. I'm just saying, like, you weren't all that happy with the first one. Are, the visuals you liked, but you weren't all that happy with the story, right? That is not true. I love how, man. You you're like my kids. You just remember things how you want them to, exactly. not how actually they happen. Um. I said that Riley's art was so stunning to me that for the first time in my life, I found a shadow-related story to be interesting. Okay. What I said, though, was that I still find the shadow 
to be strange to me in that I don't know that I really enjoy his character design. And you couldn't explain to me, even though I teed it up for you to slam it home, I didn't understand what his deal was. Is he supernatural? Is he powerful? Is he just a smart dude? Well, see, that's the thing. The shadow. If you've read this issue, you know the shadow wears many faces, right? And for... The majority of the Shadow's appearances in the comics, he has been Lamont Cranston, which may confuse you reading this, because in the pulp novels, he is and is not Lamont Cranston. Like, he is Lamont Cranston for a little period of time, but then Lamont Cranston becomes one of his companions, one of his one of his agents that he uses. The Shadow's really Kent Adlard. Adlard can't yeah well anyway the the shadow is not Lamont Cranston in the novels but the comics don't follow the novels the comics follow the comics right mm-hmm. and the radio sh- and the radio show see I, I thought you were going to say it might confuse you because Lamont Cranston is to was be- killed in the first issue right of the series. right um, but in the dynamite stuff the Matt Wagner stuff the shadow is Lamont Cranston Yes. In this, he's not. I don't know if he's going to be Kent Allard in this or not, but it doesn't matter because he or just takes... Henry Ducard. Or Henry Ducard. He just takes any kind of face that he wants. And to even confuse things more, this whole Shambhala thing where the, the shadow's given a choice and he could repent for all his sins and not die a horrible, painful, soul-crushing... Um, non-existence he can go out and kill the bad guys and he's ageless and he's uh, has the you know semi supernatural powers that's not that's not in the pulps this is that's all a construction of of Snyder and Orlando but it's okay. co- it's cool though you know there there yeah. always has been a little bit of the shadow's always been odd in the things that he can do, and to the naked eye, maybe supernatural, but it was never bona fide supernatural in the novels. You know what I'm saying? Yes. My man. So I haven't decided whether or not I like this turn of events, but I'm full of poop because whenever it comes to characters mm-hmm. like the shadow and doc savage i'll end up liking it you know what i mean i convince myself that it's a good thing because i love these characters in any way bruce wayne on the hunt for young lamont cranston's killer we saw that in issue one yeah so bruce goes to henry ducard a dude who trained him when he was coming up as batman He uh, taught him the ropes, taught him how to fight, taught him how to think, taught him about reason and anticipating your opponent's moves and and everything that Batman would need. And in this this recent uh, meeting between Ducard and Bruce Wayne, Ducard reveals that he is not Ducard. He's the shadow and always has been, Which, which is a little... Little much, it's a head scratcher, right? Because mm-hmm. we're, we're, should we believe that the shadow trained Batman conceptually? Um, I like it because had there not been a shadow, there would not be a Batman, right? 
truth. It is. It's a bona fide truth. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Had there not been a Doc Savage, there would not be a Superman. It's just... It's right. No, if, it's, if Jim yeah, Steranko tells you this, you have to believe it, right? Jim, Jim, well, let's see. Stop. In, in, <laughs> I was with you. Really, we're going to use Steranko? No. Right, in, you know, in, we really can't. This is, if, this is if, why I've been... As talented as Steranko is, we cannot use him as a... Uh, well, I'll tell you why. He's a regular Wikipedia. No. <laughs> see, now that's where you're wrong, and you don't know how wrong. Steranko's two-volume set, The History of yes. Comics, okay, goes so, yeah. way deep into the pulps. Yes. And he makes a case for, you know, Doc Savage and the Shadow being the direct precursors to Batman and Superman. And you can no, see it. Yes. Spoken like the 80-year-old man that he is. Right. And, and, and even if it, it could be anybody who could have told you that, all you need is eyes. And, and you, you right. realize that. But I'm just saying. Yes, and, Snappy and, and not, it, it's, it's really not a for dispute. There's no debate. We, we can't argue it without – because of Shadow – Batman started. Batman was who he was, thanks to Shadow. You couldn't have Batman could not have happened the way it happened, right? And it's the proximity too. However, it's only like two or three years before. But anyway, go ahead. If 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 this wasn't 2017, if this was ten, five, three years ago, and you had said, "Yeah, it's the rank of seal of approval," I would have been fuck yeah. But as as time goes on, and, and and time is not kind to our heroes, we it, it's it's it becomes yes, it's comics related. So absolutely, you know what I, I I agree. I believe Steranko knows what he's talking about. But you you could have just stopped, and and I'd have been all for it. You did not need to add. Because Steranko. Right. Because it's just. You know when those books were written, correct? So it's not like a. Yes. Re- Jim didn't no. pop on the Twitter yeah. and say, hey. Exactly. No, yeah. yeah. It's so. just, it, it, lately, I, I wouldn't exactly go to Steranko when it comes to. How do you think I should feel about, you know, it, that, right. that's not. He is a little trip. old. Yes. We're going to get there someday. But anyway. Yes. Yes. So Some we, of us sooner than than others. As, as, yeah, my goodness. As I said, we get a little bit of backstory on the shadow by way of Shambhala. And I, I'm wondering if it's Shambhala only with a hyphen, which would make some sense. But it's it's hyphenated. Shamba, first part, hyphen la. Uh, mm-hmm. The denizens of Shambhala are ruthless, morally bankrupt, depraved people. Um, one worse than the next, and Shadow, that's where Shadow came up, and he wasn't the Shadow then. He was just an, an ordinary uh, citizen, and he was so despicable, so bloodthirsty, that all of his misdeeds have been heaped upon him, and he's given a choice. Yo, you can remove this stain on your soul by obliterating the weed of crime in all its many forms, or you got to pay the price. You pay the cost for your countless bad doings. Um with your soul. You've got to go out and wrong rights wherever you see them. Now, let me stop you for a second. Okay. I love this backstory. Yes, it's fun. Most interesting thing I've ever seen from The Shadow. Genuinely intriguing. Is this new or has this always been the backstory? No, no. This is uh, this is the first time I'm hearing it. Granted, I haven't, awesome. I haven't read it. all the novels, but this is the very first time that I'm, I'm encountering this specific wording of uh to tell you the truth i can't recall an origin for the shadow yeah mm-hmm. 
Yeah, he has always been. Yeah. Yep. Well, there you go. Right. So the uh, he the shadow is made ageless, unstoppable, and unfeeling. The war begins. Uh, he amasses a posse over the years, including the gal we all know so well, Margot Lane, and Harry Vincent. Harry's really important. He shows up in a, in a lot of shadow novels. He was on the verge of committing suicide. This is, this will show you how, how the shadow operates. Um, he was, he was gonna kill himself and the shadow stopped him. And it's like, the, it becomes sort of like the sword of Damocles. He hangs that over Harry Vincent's head from that day onward. And he's basically, Harry Vincent's basically the shadow slave. That's how he uses people. He manipulates them. He, he pushes them into um, situations that he doesn't want to bother with. He's not the doctor, you know, who cares about his companions, or he's not Bruce, who has the Bat family, and he, you know, if, if Barbara is getting attacked, Bruce is going to help. The Shadow's a prick. Yes. Yeah. So the Shadow claims that the murder of uh, Lamont Cranston was not perpetrated by himself, but by a being called the Stag. The Stag is in Gotham. And he tells Bruce, you know, that that your reliance on logic and reason, it's not going to serve you well against this dude. It's just not going to work. So you better you better change your, your, your way of thinking or you're going down. Uh, the Stag targets Dr. Leslie Tompkins, and I love seeing her again. Yes. I thought she was a blonde, though. I thought she was older, though. Yeah, she is older, but maybe this is the the um, rebirth post. Yeah, the rebirth, Leslie Tompkins. But she looks good in this. Oh, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. But like everything else in this series, Leslie Tompkins is not what she seems. Um, we'll leave that right there. We'll tee that up, and you can read it yourself. Uh, but the stag wants to find the evil in Gotham. So if we're talking Batman and we're talking, you know, <laughs> yes, the ultimate evil in Gotham, who, who do we, who do, who are we talking about? It's not a stretch. No. The Joker. Yes. And wow, that last page. Is, is Rosmo's art expensive? No, it is not expensive relative to the quality of it. Yeah. Yes, and as long depending on um, the who's on the page, because I was looking at the the pages from last issue with Matches Malone and the Elevator, which were not outrageously priced. But then even if Batman shows up in a small panel talking to Renee Montoya, that 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 adds um, so how quite much, a few bucks to it. How much do you think that splash with Batman and the Shadow, the double page splash, double page like, spread? Yeah. Like twelve hundred? Yeah, I'd say at least eight and, and probably at two. Wow. Well it's long gone already. So. Well I was I yeah. assume that, yeah. But, it is uh, a gorgeous. By the way, he it, since you bring up his art, we should mention that he is repped, as are many of our friends, by Felix Liu at Felix Comic Art. Yes. Right. Who we will see in two weeks. Not only will we see, Felix will be joining me on a panel about original art collecting at the show. Nice. I didn't know that. That's awesome. That's dope. I I think so as well. You're gonna kill it. I <laughs> thank you. I hope you'll attend. I I'll be there. If Sweet. it's a, if the if the room with with the, the panel is gonna be in earshot of the back issue bins, then then I'll I'll <laughs> yeah. be there. 
luckily for us, Vince, we'll Heroes is a relatively small, intimate con, so yes. we're good. You'll be there. Cool. I'll be there. Come but on, to, to your point, I'm just looking quickly because there are pages still available from the first two issues. They a, a, a standard interior page is 150, 200 bucks. Cheapness. Yeah, and then they, needless to say, go up from there depending on whether it's a splash and whether the bats is on there. Um, how, the, how about the a page with, talking about is, I'm sorry. How about a page with just the shadow, like no Batman? Um. So keep talking. I have to. I'm scouring inventory to see if there is one because once they're sold, I can't see what the price right. was. Because to be That's honest, cool. unless it's drawn by Frank Miller, I I don't really care to have a Batman page, but I want. I would love to have a Shadow page, whether it be Kaluta or um, Riley Rossmo or or something. I would love shake. to own. Or, mm, yeah, yeah. I would like a shake. Sink cabbage. It looks yes. like you're you're not alone. All of the shadow related pages are sold that I can see here. How about so a Kyle Baker? That pardon? Kyle Baker shadow would be awesome. Yeah, well, that's yeah. a different story entirely. That's a great story with a fantastic. Idea. It is. I'm just saying I don't have any reference to right now how much that would be. Right. So, what did y'all think? Great issue. Great issue. Great issue. So great, in fact, that I can't even pretend to bust on the corniness of the shadow. Nice. <laughs> Maybe this is the big turnaround. This is the, the, the lube that'll grease the door to walking right. into that big pulp room and say, oh, my God, I've been such a fool. This Doc Savage guy's amazing. There's a lot to unpack here. Just as we said with the first issue, and we're not just saying this, the Riley is on a whole nother level with yeah, his art. he really is. We've all been yeah. fans of his from the day we started the show, from Proof. We've remarked that he has a, an incredible work ethic, probably one of the most prolific people in the business, along with people like Mike Norton, because he can do more than a single book a month, which is very rare, especially to this quality. It's stunning. Uh, he constantly is evolving his style, which... I adore, and this this may be my favorite style he's done yet. I agree. Yeah. Uh, he is little 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 teaser. I have an interview with Riley that is almost complete. We'll be going up on the site hopefully this week, where we talk about his ever changing style. And he, like many artists, is constantly finding new inspiration from other things, both artists as well as other things in life that he comes across. And I think. It'd be fair to say, as you look at these pages, he has been influenced by some of his contemporaries, people that he studio mates, people like Nick Tricotta. I think I see a lot of that. That and, and it's not so much that he's been inspired by Nick, but I think they're both inspired by manga and that sort. You know that, that those stylings and, and combining his traditional co- collegiate Western illustration training with manga influences, and I, I think the artist. Is absolutely jaw dropping. It's yeah. it's and and it's not just about. I know a lot of artists these days are very frustrated at art getting short shrift when it comes to interviews or <laughs> comic site reviews or podcasts. And I think we're conscious of that. I think there are practical reasons for it and impractical ones. I think the practical reason is that it's harder to talk about art without sounding dumb. Um, less so for someone like you, Vince, that yeah, is an artist. That's not true. No, I'm saying, uh, but, but, you know, it is, I think it's intimidating for an artist to speak about art 
and and as a result of that, we often give it short shrift because we're we don't want to say something that comes off stupid. I don't think David or I have that 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 fear uh, for good or for bad. Some some people might be listening saying, "Well, you should be less willing to talk about art," but but uh, I, I bring it up because I think a lot of times when people say, "Oh, I love the art." They are really speaking about the pure aesthetic of the the figures or the, the the initial reaction you get to the visual. But Riley's art is stunning on a lot of levels here. Visually, absolutely, the 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 look of his character models is fantastic, no question. But the panel layouts are tremendous, and that's his doing. And that's not Scott Snyder and and um, I'm sorry, who's his co-writer? Oh, um, Steve Orlando. Uh, Steve Orlando. They're not telling him to do these things. He's doing this. He's he's pulling this from his mind to further the story. Uh, and, and we we as comic readers, I think, often take those choices for granted. The 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 history part of it, where he's talking about his time in Shambhala, uh, it's it's wonderful. There's so many wonderful choices on that on those pages from the sketchy, fluid-like outline of some of the visuals to how they they go from from a from a perspective they go from from small when it's further away to the more modern and the pieces get larger to the to the angles to show you that it's nebulous and in his mind it's just amazing stuff i mean is. he is he is a beast at all levels of being art a good artist which is being a good draftsman being a good storyteller uh knowing when to draw something and when to leave white space or 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 other or empty space i should say panel layouts i, I just think he makes so many Fantastic choices in this in this issue, and it is a masterclass in modern comic book making. It is. You you are absolutely correct. One of the uh, visual uh, a visual a bit of visual evidence of a good illustrator. Like if you are trying to discern whether this guy has all his uh, you know his chops in a row, the one of the hardest things to do, and yet. Uh, it's one of the most prevalent in in uh, any kind of comics where there there are real people in it. One of the most difficult things to pull off is clothing, and the most electric part of this issue is not the Batman's face or the you know the Stag's face or the shadows. Um, uh, the electricity or all the like everybody wants to draw the monster they want to draw the superhero they want to draw the spaceship and that's great there's a lot of guys that are amazing at that but if you can draw a cloak like Batman's cloak that looks like it's actually made of freaking cloth like fabric look at the shadows jacket Mm-hmm. He does not have to go in there and do all those shadows, but they're all on the money. Mm-hmm. The way the fabric stretches and pulls when he moves, and, and the, the the shadows, um, the the uh, face mask, the, the the under the nose the face scarf. mask, the, the way it pulls at the back of his neck, and and it's just the ripples in Batman's collar on the side where the front smooth piece meets the point where his ears are, which would be a bump underneath it, and he knows that, and he puts yep. that shadow in there. It's like friggin'. It's crazy all of the thought that he puts into these, even the Joker, the way the Joker's body is. He's leaning to, to the right and the, and the, the, the t-shirt is pulling that way underneath the arm. And it's just, mm. it's uncanny how he has taken into account 
real-world physics on cloth and how it works and how muscles work and the pull and the push and the tug. It's I have nothing but respect for Riley Rossmo. And I see one panel where he fudged because it's not really a fudge. It's it's a it's a he planned it ahead where the shadows pants meet that checkerboard floor. Yeah. There should be a black square next to the white square and he made it a white square because if he made it a black square, the edge of the the cuff of the pants would have blended into the background and he didn't do that. But it's not wrong. It's just him saying, F no, I can't put a black square there because it's not going to go well with what I got laid on top. The, uh. Is it wrong? The, no. No. Um. Th- th- there were definitely questions that I had as, as I'm reading this once I finish it and, and, um. Because it's. There's some. Some books I'd read and. I wouldn't be necessarily annoyed by the art style or, or the liberties, the, the artistic license the, the artist would choose to, to mess around with. But, um, you know, I see Shadow talking to Margot and, and Vincent and, and, you know, and his scarf is is flying all over the place and it doesn't it doesn't look ridiculous no. and and it it's it, it's so and because i don't know if it's because you know as, as slender as the shadow is and and how impose it because he's standing above them while while they're sitting down and and the way he's carrying himself it it completely works when you see um and we're in the bat cave and i haven't seen too many other Artists do this, especially since, since, since rebirth, since Batman's new outfit. But the fact that it's, it's basically his, his, his outfit is, his uniform is, is, is modular where, where the sleeves could come off. And right. he's basically just wearing, you know, a sleeveless turtleneck while, while he's in the Batcave hanging out. And you see all the scars and everything and, and, and the, 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 um, his, his, his wares from, from all his, his wars on crime. But, um, the, uh, the, I, I absolutely, I, whenever, whenever I would doodle in, at, at school, I'd always draw like big bouffant hairstyles. And I love the fact that most of the characters in this book have that kind of, of big puffy quaffed hair, whether it's Margot, whether it's Leslie, whether, whether it's, it's, um, Vincent. I, I absolutely got, get, get, get a, I, yeah, everything you guys said about Riley, about the work, about the artwork in this issue is, uh, is completely spot on. It's, that is, that's the star for me. I, I could, I don't even care why this story is, is, is happening. It, just the fact that, that Riley is drawing it, um, it pleases me to no end. The, um, did you notice the bridge between the first and second issues? In the first issue, we saw Shrimp Lo Maine. Hit the ground. In issue, right. issue two, we see Bruce. And now we get the chicken. matzo ball. Is that what that is? A matzo ball? I, I, that's what, I mean. It's, it's probably chicken soup, but I mean that's a big. That's that's a big dumpling. That, that yes. So I mean, it could be a dumpling, and, and which could make sense since it was moment in the first issue. Um, I saw it. I just I saw soup, and I just immediately thought matzo ball. But you know, that's me. The um, so yeah, food hit the floor. Yeah. Uh, no, this is uh, the. I 
I really, really enjoy. I think I, as as much as I really dug the first issue, I may have enjoyed this one a little bit more, only because we got the first issue was just straight setup. We already know who Batman is, but now we don't quite know why Shadow is here and what this mystery is about. And um, we're just introduced to a couple people like Margot. And and the second issue, though, we've we've established all of that already, so we can move the story along without holding everybody's hand to make sure make sure that they're they're all following along and and we're all reading at the same pace it's just this was the first issue is everything you need to know and the second issue even though the first kind of started off with Bruce going to see Henry and then we got a flashback leading up to that the second issue is more linear because we're picking up where the first issue ended uh and then moving forward from there the uh yeah no th- this was this is an absolute absolute home run I, I i really like the look of the stag uh i don't know and and this is part of you know where the uh the questions that i have which are easy for me to forget when i'm watching the action scenes as as riley you know shows the fights whether it's between Bruce and Henry or Batman and the stag and, and, but for Bruce to push Leslie out of the way from, from shooting stag, uh, only to still get the shot off, kill an air quote stag, the stag falls down the window. Um, Batman turns around and it's the shadow was, was, is the Batman susceptible to Shadow's tricks? Sure. Because there's no way that he was dressed up as Leslie doing all of that and all the uh, surprise and, and, you know, unzips and the Shadow. So as the series, as, as these six issues unfold, I cannot wait to see if, if we find out that, um, Batman just isn't as 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 strong willed as uh, as he thinks he is. I don't think it's his fault. I just think it's the shadows, you know, ability to cloud men's mind. Right. Mind. So he's, and, he's, in, he's telling them that you know, listen, I've 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 been Henry. I've been the guy who try. I mean, there's no you can't. And 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 Bruce is so adamant about you know. Th- there's no way he's like I know Henry. I know his smells. I know this and 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 it's like you know. And I smelled. I smelled her blood. I smelled Stag's blood. I I I, I you know, taste the gunpowder from the gun, but yet Stag is not dead down there on the ground. So yeah, there's there's nothing. There, there's absolutely nothing you can. Um, if the shadow is on the page, I am taking nothing at face value. Right. You know, I I read issue one again uh, right before I read this, and if it wasn't for the bat forensic computer thing yeah. that that he drops in the first issue, this series could have taken place in the 1930s. There's really not very much technology in it. The you know the guns could be just guns. Yeah. It, yep. it, it, news and there's a newspaper. Which is no my my bad. It's bat dot jpeg. So he is in the, <laughs> he is in the in the bat cave. So you could take that out. But otherwise, 
it's it's not marked by any kind of time frame in this book. It could be any time without those two things, without the forensics computer and the the damn um, JPEG. That's true. Yeah. Which is, I think, the way Orlando and Snyder planned it. Because when you have a character like the, the Shadow, who's bound to a very, very specific decade. Mm-hmm. You know, and you, that's the one... See, that may be another one of your stumbling blocks to reading the pulps. You really can't take those characters out of the 1930s. Because it's such a, a pervasive backdrop to all the stories. I mean, America's on the skids. People are hungry. They don't have any, any jobs, and crime goes crazy. And so you try and pull them out of there. It just doesn't work. I mean, yeah, they're great superheroes, but they're bound to the 1930s, I think. Right, right. Yeah. So what else do we have? Enough of this. No, it was a great. It's great stuff, though. It really it's fantastic stuff. stuff. My hardcover is going to look excellent on my shelf. Haha, <laughs> yes, this, it this is. This will be a hardcover, definitely. Either. Yep. Did you guys get to read our man Stoko's second issue? Yes, indeed. I, I did, of course. I, I don't know. I didn't. Uh, I did. I shouldn't assume. I read all that. We're talking about Aliens Dead Orbit number two. I think we thought the first issue was artistically rock solid. Um, felt like the intro of, a, of an Aliens movie. Um, this issue is, I think, more of the same. Um, I will say that uh, it is a slow build, which I guess is not different than the films. So perhaps by design. But um, I guess what I want to want to start to say, and I want to get your guys' reaction is. I love Stoko's art in in any form. Love it, love it, love it. I dig the aliens concept. I am waiting patiently as issue three looms for the hook here from a story standpoint. The the art, the Stoko art, makes it worth having because I. I more than happy if he just told me, okay, Stoko is going to draw a conventional alien story in his in his type of art style. That's great, and I'm down with that. But I would say two issues in, it feels like the same kind of alien story we've seen a lot before. So I guess my two questions are: Do you agree with me? And if you do, is it simply because Aliens, as cool as it is, is relatively one note? And should I be un? Is it unreasonable of me to have expected this to have been a different hook than I had seen or read before? I don't think that's an. I don't think that's an unrealistic expectation to any um, franchise based, you know, uh, fiction. You want to to, uh, novelty. Everybody wants novelty. They want the new. So to take a, a like Star Trek, the 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 new movies are based on the original series, but they're new. There's a lot of new stuff in there, a lot of semi-revolutionary storytelling based on something that has come before. So I don't think that's a bad thing. Um, I don't have those expectations when I encounter aliens. I'm just happy with the xenomorphs. I'm very easy to please. 
in that respect. You you mm-hmm. you, had, you know if if because um, they exist for one thing to perpetuate the species. That's all they right. exist for. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, that's all I that's all I expect. That's all I want. Just the best movie monster design ever, traipsing around, um, doing what it does, bringing uh, human beings to the egg chambers to get impregnated and, you know, begin again, start new. Here comes more aliens to do the same thing that the other aliens. And, yeah, throw the queen in. That's cool, too. I'm I'm very easy to please when it comes to alien. Cool. No, and that and that's probably the right tone. David, do you agree? Um, I don't want to. I don't want to misinterpret your 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 question again. Repeat it for me. Well, it was two parts. One, do you think that this reads so far, two issues in, putting the art aside, which is awesome and in and of itself makes it worth reading. But do you think from a story perspective, what we've gotten so far is by the numbers, I've read this many times before or seen this in Aliens movies. There's not really anything different so far from what I can gather. And if you agree with that, the second part was, do you think it's unreasonable to expect something different given that Aliens is a time-tested trope and it's really just about this dude's interpretation of the trope? Yes, I do agree with that. No, I don't think it's um I, I, I think this is this is this is aliens. It's not it it's I wouldn't I didn't um I didn't read this thinking that okay, um yep Stoko's going to turn the Aliens franchise on its ear, and and we're going to get something completely new and different. I just figured we were going to get Stoko messing around with the Aliens franchise. It, it's it's um basically it's it's bigger than any one person, so it, you're you're kind of playing in, in that. Um, uh, oh, it's going to be raining soon. The uh, um. No, I, I don't. I, I I don't think it's um. It's so what cool. is that? It's that cool. Is huge. I love it's it. The, it's I the mothership. It. Oh, I have uh, the window open. You can hear the plane. That's so cool. Yeah. Okay. Um. No, I don't. It's. I'm getting what I expected to get. I, I didn't think. Um. I'm 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 getting an alien story by Stoko. I'm I'm not it it's it's aliens over Stoko's name, not the other way around. So everything everything is is in place as far as I'm concerned. Right. But if if we go by the movies, and I think the progression among uh, between the first two movies was was perfect. In the first one, one one warrior alien decimates an entire ship. Save for Ripley. One alien. I mean, that that's a thing to be feared. It just, mm-hmm. just it destroyed. It it ravaged the entire crew on this 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 spaceship because it was smart. It was lethal. It was ruthless, and it was following its genetic programming. Right. So if one did that, and then James Cameron comes in, and I think with the with the um, intent to show just how badass Ripley is, if one alien is bad. What happens when you have scores of them? Mm-hmm. So you need you need a force 
to to reckon with these aliens, and then the colonial marines come in. And yet, even though she had help, they didn't all get out alive, right? It was it was basically just down to three. Which and then she so she not only encounters scores of of warriors, she encounters the queen, and and Ripley still gets out of it. So that's Cameron saying this woman is badass for as bad as. If, if, if these aliens are the perfect organisms, this woman just one-upped the perfect organism because she's still alive. And then so yeah. you, t- you take that into the comics, and I think people forget that the aliens are the perfect organism. They're, they're, they're I- I- impossible to beat, and yet there are characters along, in the, even in the extended universe, that have beat them, albeit temporarily, so it's just it's uh, do you, I don't I don't think that it needs more than that. But it's nice when someone comes along and does more than that. To Jason's point, like there have been some stories that were against the grain uh, as far as aliens go. I remember Corbin's story wasn't your typical aliens. Uh, what was it called? Alchemy. That was a different look at the, at the aliens franchise. But it's Corbin, so you expect that. <laughs> <laughs> I just love the look of the thing. It just excites me. It's- no, and, and that that is true. I, and I, I do think that the hook, I guess, was seeing Stoko's awesome, hyper-detailed visual cartooning in this world, and that does not disappoint. So I don't, I don't want our listeners to come away thinking I'm bummed about what we've gotten so far. I just, I, I, I just think it, it so far reads to me like. The script of any alien story, but that's probably fine. And you say slow burn, and it is. I agree, it is. But it's it. I mean, I because FX loves playing the hell out of movies that are being <laughs> that 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 sequels are coming for the following weekend. Um, I've been watching Prometheus quite a bit, and that that doesn't really. Hit the ground running. I no, mean, there it doesn't. You you get the map, and then you're in. You get the the text telling you the name of the ship and how far they are from Earth and where they're headed, and and that you know. And we just see David walking around and and playing basketball and watching movies and dyeing his hair, and then he he, he wakes you know people up. So it's it's not. Well, Ridley's first uh, foray into the universe wasn't uh, an action flick. Right. It was a very, very slow build. And actually, mm-hmm. you know, I when when did the first what 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 time of the year did the first Alien movie come out? You mean Real World? Yes. No, no. Yeah, yeah. When when was it released in the theaters? Was uh, it in the winter? Was it? Now I want to say like September, maybe. Okay. Whereas you know James Cameron being you know popcorn summer flick movie that Aliens came out. In the summer, and then you know right. that, that's what you have your big action movie. So it, it, if you wanted to call Aliens an action movie, then 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 yeah, it's it's oh totally again no, it doesn't start so, out that way, especially you know as as Jason pointed out a couple of weeks ago and inaccurately uh, so, but yeah, right. Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, anything with Paul Reiser, you're really not going to get you know some some super. I'm 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 so excited about this movie, and I like Paul Reiser, but it, there are just. It's a tale of two movies, though, I think. What do you mean? A- aliens. Aliens? 
What you're talking about is that I was remarking and Vince took great offense to the fact that I, in anticipation of Alien Covenant coming out, my oldest son wanted to watch Alien or Aliens. And I said, well, my dude, if we have to pick one, we're going to watch Aliens. (laughs) And we started watching it. And then I tweeted, I think, or posted in our, our group or maybe both that I, that I'd seen this movie 20 times, but for some reason this time I was disappointed in it. And Vince was feeling some kind of way about my statement. But as I mentioned to you guys, I know I, I had, we, we had another 40 minutes left of the film to go at the time. And then we watched the last 40 shortly after we had that conversation and it was much better. And as I remember it, and I just think, again, the issue is objectively, if, if you set aside your emotional resonance with the work, it is super slow at the start. Very little yes. happens for the first hour. But that last hour is jam-packed with intensity. So as a whole, much like sometimes reading a trade is much better than reading the single issues, as a whole, I was left thinking, nah, this movie's still badass. But having stopped halfway through... I thought, wow, this first hour is a bit of a struggle. Uh, and it's unfair to watch a film halfway through and then judge it. Uh, films are, in, by, by definition, intended to be consumed in one sitting. Uh, so I will retrench a bit from my admonition of aliens here today and help become friends with Vince again. Like you but I do think <laughs> the first 40 minutes are very slow. Yeah, okay. By the way, Alien came out on May 25th. Wow. May, May 25th, 1979. Wow. And Aliens came out on July 18th, July, 1986. Yeah. Okay. I knew that was July. Yeah. Well, Alien is a horror movie. Aliens is a science fiction action movie. Correct. Yes. Yeah. I would agree. Yeah. And then everything that came after that up until Prometheus was doo Was poop. Was doo Was poop. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. So many, so much poop. You know, they haven't been huge box office successes. No, no. Aliens was. Aliens? Uh, maybe, maybe did you want to take a guess on what the box office was without looking? 250. Uh, over time. You're talking worldwide or domestic? Wor- worldwide, 250. Okay. Do you want to take a guess, David? I I'm gonna I'm gonna say a little over three just for that little bit. One hundred and thirty-one million worldwide. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. But adjust that for inflation, as they always. However, say. it is. It was the adjusted for inflation. It is the ninety-eighth best. R-rated movie of all time. That's the thing. It's an R-rated summer, if you want to call it, action movie. But it's only 98. My point is, for the adulation that an entire generation of of fanboys, ourselves included, give it, and for how well it's regarded, it was not really a box office smash. It was good enough, needless to say, to fall for a bunch of sequels. But right, but it, it's it, which I think just goes to show you that that there is such a thing as as quality over quantity. Just because not everybody ran out to go see those those who enjoy it, those who think it is a really good movie, are, are sincere and aren't just mm-hmm. you know jumping on the bandwagon and trying to be. Oh yeah, I saw Deadpool mm-hmm. too. You know, that was I just it's so I think I think people are just more. Um, Appreciative of what they were given, 
right. as far as the franchise goes. Yeah, I now, think it's a perfect action movie. Sure. I, I think it's perfect. A funny little game we'll play here. Oh, boy, a game. Unplanned. I am now, because of your question, looking at the all-time R-rated movies adjusted for inflation, to Vince's point. So not what they did numerically at the box office, but if we adjusted for the value of the dollar today. What can you give me? Throw out any. We'll see if you can get any in the top ten. The Exorcist. Wow, that's impressive. The Exorcist is far and away, without even a shadow of a doubt, the number one. I knew that. Inflation adjusted R-rated movie of all time. Yep. On an inflation basis, it's it earned nine hundred and twelve million dollars. Nice. All right. Well, Vince knocked number one out of the park. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. I would have guessed, my guess would have been, I, I figured, I knew number three. That would have been my guess for number one of all time. Well, number three is The Godfather, right? That's number two. Okay. Very good. So R-rated, highest grossing R-rated movie. Right. So we've got one and two, Exorcist and Godfather. Um, fuck, I feel like I knew this at one point. Pop comedy. Oh. It is a comedy, right? All right. Um. Shit. Um, oh, not um, not the Hangover. Beverly Hills Cop. Yes. Yeah, I did know that. Yes, I did know that. God damn it. Followed That's by right. Blazing Saddles for those wondering why Mel Brooks is a big deal. Oh, please, anybody who wants to, who's wondering why, just, I don't have time for that. And number five makes me a little ill. But it is what it is to each his own, the passion of the Christ. Yeah, that's... Whoa, I did not realize it made that much money. Me neither. Yeah, it did. So you can't leave us hanging. What's six to ten? Uh, so I'll just run through them quickly. The Rocky Horror Picture Show. Nice! <laughs> One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Of course. MASH. I was gonna wow! Say, I was going to say MASH, yeah. Animal House. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, Terminator 2 Judgment Day. That's, yes, yes. I yeah. knew that was in the top ten. That one doesn't hold up for me. That one, you yeah, know, that one has its more, it's, it's, I like it, but it's still, it's, Agreed. It, it that, that, one has, that one is a victim of... Edward, Edward Furlong. It's a victim of that. Oh, no, yes. that's true, but I think the special effects don't age as well right. in that one. The, the one thing I would say about Aliens is... The computer panels and the readouts and all that sort of thing look very dated, needless to say, because because computers have gone so far much beyond where they you know where they look like basic radar and sonar screens on that movie. But the aliens, that Giger look, to your point, Vince, is so classic. Yes, that it looks like it came out. You could it, I I haven't seen the new Alien Covenant, but I'm presuming that the aliens in Alien Covenant don't look much different on camera than they did in Aliens. Right. So. Excellent. Classic. I like that little diversion there. Yeah, a little something, yeah. something. Yeah. But um, um, it, it, back to Stoko's uh, Dead Orbit, number two, the, the slowness uh, of the narrative is okay because I get to spend more time perusing each and every line that he lays down. Right. And he does lay down a lot of them. And that's not that's that, that's that not a dig. It's, it's a... Um, this doesn't look like, you know, oh, yeah, I'm going to do an Aliens comic. And I'll, he obviously isn't phoning it in. And there's there's a um, 
there's whether it's speed lines or reactions from the characters or uh he ain't got no lips there are just so many there's there's a lot to to take in and and just like the movies as as it's it's slow or a quiet moment then that's when our patients uh react and and we get uh the thing that puts the asses in the seats because that n- n- now we finally you know now now there's the the horror element and n- now there the creatures are loose and and you're going to um have to uh deal with that on top of everything else so we get the you know just like with all the other alien stuff because even even with prometheus yeah you know they're there searching for the secret of the universe and the meaning of life but you know wayun has his thing going on and you have, um, sorry, Wayland, and you have, um, uh, you know, the, the, the captain is trying to take care of his men, his crew. Uh, she's got her own agenda. So there's, there's every, there are other things going on. It's not just a straight, okay, now here are the aliens and that's all we're going to show you. There's still, because every time you think you're, you're free or you, you, you've escaped or you're safe, um, something else comes along that that really uh, throws a wrench into things, and 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 it's um, you really have a hard time catching your breath when when you're watching. Once once the movie gets going, once once the shit starts to hit the fan, there's really not too many um, not too many places where you can kind of just get a second and 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 get your bearings. And I think now with the third issue, um, we're probably going to get some of that. You know, quiet moments, but that's only so it can amp up the uh, the suspense. No doubt. Yeah. All right. I have been uh, watching Jason's Slack uh, reading list that we mm-hmm. post every week, and right. we, we'll go through a litany of everything we've read. And there's been one book that has been on Jason's I read it list for a while now. And okay, there's been a bunch, but go ahead. I've, yeah. been, I've been putting off reading it just to get his goat because it, it was a book oh. It was a book that I um, compelled him to read, I like to think, and he enjoyed it. So he's been reading it, and the, 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 the latest issue has been on his reading list for a while. So mm-hmm. I finally got around – Ah, yeah, to reading Cannibal Number Five. Yeah, me too. It's a spicy meatball. Uh, Red team, like the good men that you are. This is the way we do. Written by Jay Young and Brian Buccellato, art by Matthias Bergara, and yeah, uh, that's the man right there. I, I think it's it, it is Buccellato uh, provided the color art. He calls himself Booch, right? The Booch. And I call my wife that. Um, now. <laughs> We we have to recap a little bit because um, Cannibal is not – if you don't read the first trade, jumping into issue five, you're going to be lost. Mm-hmm. I would mm-hmm. say – is that fair? Yeah. Oh, very Absolutely. Fair. Absolutely. Natural Disaster released Mosquitoes with um, a uh, very v- virulent – um, contagion that makes those affected hungry for human flesh. 
and they they're not zombies per se because um one they're not dead uh two they lapse into the blood frenzy at a moment's notice and when they come out of it they're uh well all the ones we've seen affected by this disease they're they're very um remorseful about what they've done like how could i possibly have ripped this poor man's throat out and you know ingested half of his body i just that's not me and then and so there's there's a um i think there's a little bit of of mental um very tumultuous tumultuous mental stuff going on in this book because those who are affected they go a little bit crazy is, do you do you guys read? Did you read that into it? Because uh, Jolene, she's not in her right mind in issue five. She is, she's out of it. Grant, oh yeah. Granted, she's done some pretty despicable things so far. But is it her that's doing it, or is it the disease making her do it? Like, do they do they get to a point where they can feel the attack coming? Or the the, the bloodlust coming. I wonder if if we're not going to get storylines where the characters like just willingly surrender to it. Like this is so liberating. I'm an animal. I'm pr- this is back to the the Stone Age. This is the way we're supposed to be. All these Armani suits and and iPhones and it's just it's it's a ruse. We're animals. We've always been animals. Let's let's embrace this. Like I want to see that kind of storyline in this book. Hmm. It's as though it's crossed without being fully insane. Yeah, and without the penetration. Um, <laughs> well, <laughs> so we're 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 in this little Florida town, and um, the the uh, virus outbreaks, and people are getting bit. And it's not only um, a horror story. There's a there's a family at the heart of this. The Hanson family. Uh, Roy Hansen runs a uh, a bar and grill. Uh, his son Cash loves uh, a, a stripper named Jolene. He, she was he was going to ask her to marry him. And in issue five, we see Jolene talking to her mother. Jolene had absolutely no plans to marry him. She wants to see the world. He doesn't know that. She kind of feels bad. So there's a there's a soap opera element to it, but it's it's at at the core, it's a horror story. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Borgara's art is the interesting choice here, I think. Because I think, yeah, it's a great choice, right? It is, but I think what makes it great is that it's if if you were an editor, I don't know that if you saw this guy's style, you would immediately think, okay, this guy's perfect for a cannibal comic. And I think that's what makes it interesting. Mm-hmm. It's to me, there's a little bit of Don Bluth in his faces, and y'all know I love the Don Bluth. You, you mean it in in the exaggerated expression stuff like yes. that? Yes. Okay. Yes. Uh, so I think that doesn't necessarily lead people to think horror comic, but it works so well here. I think because of the juxtaposition, at least for me. Um, so yeah, this comic kind of stands out in that it's not. There are plenty of horror comics, and look, honestly, there's a bunch of cannibalistic comics out there right now, but uh, and there's, the, we were, I think when we talked about this the first issue, we might have either that same week or the week after talked about Redneck number one, 
and made the point that it seems like one of the new things is this Southern fried comic, yes. right? Which, yep. which Southern bastards being the most, yep. the most successful and the most conventional of them in the sense that it's not a supernatural book. But, uh, and, and this is part of that same oeuvre, but it works. I, I, I I'm work. captivated by it. I, I, I think it's, I can't wait to see what happens. And we've only known these characters for a very little bit of time. We've only seen some of them for 10, 12 pages in total so far. And yet, kudos to these guys because I still feel my heart aching for the reveals and think, oh, no. Right. And if you can make me feel, oh, no, after 22 pages, you're doing something right. Yeah. But that's see, that's one of the things. We, we like to examine um, the obstacles that a lot of series have in reaching a wider audience. I think one of the main obstacles, and I see it as an asset, but there may be people that see the size of the cast in this comic as as a, a, a very, very big obstacle because it's not just about one or two or, or three people. There's a big cast in this book, very large cast of characters. Uh, Roy has three sons, one of which meets his demise in in the first arc, first issue, right? Um, but... Doesn't he die? Jimmy dies, right? The, Which one's Jimmy? Jimmy, the one that gets bit in the first issue. Oh, yeah. Did, didn't yeah. he die? Yeah, okay. So Wait, 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 wait. Wait, wait, wait. The young kid. I, 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 admittedly, I don't know the names offhand yet. Um, Jimmy is... So Jimmy's not the one who J- Jimmy, surprise bites in this one? No, Jimmy Jimmy was taken out the trash in the first issue. And he, and he got... Remember when he was out by the dock and he got bit? Yes. Oh, right. Yeah, okay. I'm pretty sure mm-hmm. he died, right? I think so. I'm embarrassed to say I don't Me know. too. I don't I don't I don't remember Sorry. the specifics of Jimmy. This is an awesome review. Um <laughs> but, but but Roy has other sons like Grady and Cash, and Cash has a friend named Danny, and Danny has a young son. Mm-hmm. Uh Danny's uh, it's not uh, specified whether she was his wife or just his baby mama, but there, there's conflict between those two and, and she breaks his nose and they end up having, you know, uh, makeup, not really makeup sex, but remember how it used to be sex and she turns up dead and he is the prime suspect, what with him having been there. So there's all of these semi-commonplace occurrences going on being orbited by the fact that people are turning into cannibals. So the it, it's a very dismal picture, but it's the, at the at the heart of this story. There 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 are just real life flesh and blood human beings with everyday concerns, mm-hmm. which, which makes yeah, yeah it make, makes it makes it better for me. Now, do you it's, think they're definitely not crossed? No, oh no, no. Yeah, no, they no. wouldn't. They don't go. Nearly as Frost deep. is all about pushing the limits of sure. human nature. It's, it's it's meant to be alarming and arresting yes. for the sake of it. Yeah. Uh, do you do you let's put on our our editor caps for a second. Do you see this as a story that that essentially is focused on these characters and ends with their arc, or do you see this as as more of an open world where we're going to see like The Walking Dead, for example, where we're going to see more and more of this outbreak in this disease and how it affects the world i hope so i hope it spreads uh past um what's it hogs river i want to i want to see it get out of um 
Florida and go somewhere else. If mm-hmm. the characters are as compelling as these, you know, it, that was, a, again, one of the problems with Crossed. The, the premise is, to me, very intriguing and very, um, it, it's one of those, uh, premises that makes me want to read more. I want to see people ripping the hell out of each other and, uh, that's the, that's the least of what happens in Crossed. Like, if you can push the boundaries of art to get, uh, to the point where y- you disturb and repulse and just generally affect your audience on a level that they haven't been affected before. I'm all for that. But that's that's the beginning and the end of Crossed. Mm-hmm. But, but I think there's way more potential in in Cannibal and, you know, stuff like The Walking Dead. When you could tell human stories, you have to care for someone in order to, to give a shit if they get bit. You, you just that's can't. Right. You can't throw yeah, a red right. shirt in there. If a red shirt gets bit, big deal. There's plenty of more red shirts in line. That's right. You got to care for the characters, and I think that's the one thing that Cannibal does really well. Uh, Young and, and Bucciolato, they have devised this um, cast of characters that they're all. They're, like David always says, I don't like Damien because I, I, I just I don't care to read a Damien story because I don't like the character. There's really no characters in Cannibal that are unlikable, purely unlikable. Even even um, the uh, Carl, the guy that was stalking Jolene. Yeah, he organized a bunch of his buddies to beat the shit out of Cash when he got out of jail. But he's just like, hey, that's Southern justice, my man. You know, let's just pick up and move on. I'm going to help you find Jolene. So it's like he's not totally a scumbag. He's not completely despicable. He's there's there's a human being there. I thought that was neat when he did that. You know, we're going to beat the shit out of you, but afterwards, let's team up and go <laughs> find you know Jolene because I'm generally genuinely concerned about her. That's a right. human being. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's a winner. Oh no! Absolutely, absolutely. It is a miniseries, right? I don't think so. No, I don't know. I mean, for them to take a break like that, come back with the fifth. I mean, it, it may be a, a finite series, but I don't know if um, I hadn't like, like at least we knew Moonshine was five issues, right? Or I guess that's true. But your point, they did take a break, and now it's fifth issue. So I guess yeah. that's true. Dumb question on my part. Yeah. So in in issue five, Roy bonds with Boone. Boone is is Danny's son. Um, Louise bonds with Grady. I did not see that coming at all. Uh, mm-hmm. We get some backstory on Jolene and, and her plans for her life that don't include cash. And uh, Danny, well, I don't want to say that because I want people to read it. I won't reveal that part. But some, right. something big happens in issue five that, that just pushes the series into uh, unexpected territory. I didn't think that this character was going to uh, go down this road. Agreed. Yeah. That's great. Surprises are always welcome in comics. Mm Yeah. We have a minute to throw some love to our boy DWJ. Of course. Always have a minute. Extremity number three. Oh, I didn't read it yet. Especially now what? Especially now that he's following us on Twitter, Jason. I know, so funny. So, we, David and I both, we, DWJ, and we've known him forever, and would definitely say he's our friend. And I tried to DM him on Twitter, 
and it did one of those, oh, you can't send him a DM because he doesn't follow you, so I was all butthurt. And I said something about it, and then Dap said, oh, my God, he's not following me either. And I thought, well, crap, did we make him angry? Because he's, for those of you that don't know Daniel, he is a super sweet guy, yep. and it was hard to fathom what we might have done to piss him off, even though we're very capable of pissing people off. Absolutely. It, I didn't think we did anything to piss Daniel off. See if he and, follows me. <laughs> That'd be great. If well, he as did. it turns out, he never followed us, and now he does. Yeah, we'll we just assumed he did. Yeah. And Vince, you know what happens when you assume. Uh, let's see. <laughs> how can you never I, heard that expression? How, yes, I, no. you, I do know what happens when you assume, but how do I know if he's following me? If you go to him and it says follows you. If you go to his Twitter page. Yeah. yeah. He probably doesn't. Well, you'll never know the answer to that, will you? <laughs> but anywho. Okay, so we, we can save it, but because uh, I, I definitely want you to chime in. But we... well, I can chime in on Daniel Warren Johnson. His commissions are oh, disgustingly good. That, I don't good. like Moon Knight, but oh my god, I would They're buy. Too good, I would buy that Moon Knight commission if I could. They're genuinely too good. Yeah, yeah. Because we know Felix, and we know Felix handles his business, and I, I dare say Daniel is close to, if not at the point where he has priced himself out of a lot of people's budgets justifiably so 100 percent deserved but he's he's almost too good at this point <laughs> i am very upset that i don't have an entire portfolio of dwj commissions before he got to this point <laughs> because but you could have it's on a whole other level yeah you could have well you, i have three yeah you would, no that's great that's three more than i have I've got, go. I've got them on my Grendel Jam. I don't know if I'll ever get that Lobo driving a rig, but uh, I can dream. Never say never, David. Never, never, never. All right. We can maybe team up on something else? Uh, if we Why want don't to keep we... the image of Rama going, we can talk about plastic for a minute. Yes. Oh, sure. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, plastic number two was written by Doug Wheeler, illustrated by Daniel Hilliard, color art by this newcomer, Laura Martin, and of course it's published by Image. Dave, why don't you, David? Oh my God! Oh my God! <laughs> I am, I am so sorry. I didn't mean to do that. I, I was looking at my screen, and that word was on there, and I just said it. David, why don't you tell them about it? Uh, this is, uh, did we all, I did. Where, oh, okay, Mr. Yes, I no, did. Listen, uh, okay, again, sorry. Uh, <laughs> I had you on mute because I'm yelling at my son right now, but. Oh, no. <laughs> anyway. That was, I, I, I didn't that. call him that name. No, I didn't. I read it on my screen. It's, it's, David, not, did your intern last more than a day? Is he in good graces? He's still, no, he, he's, he's still there. He's good. He's good. All right. Because um, we need a new co-host now, apparently. As long as, as long as he doesn't keep logging in with his ID on student machines. The uh, so um, are you kidding me? Two, we all we all absolutely adored the first issue. Uh, Vince thinking it was a comedy. Jason, it, it I is think a comedy. It was a little bit more serious than that. Uh, Although we this, did concede to Vince that it was described by the creators as a comedy. So yeah, and it and and I think the second issue. Um, 
insinuates that a little bit more than uh, than at least the first issue did. Yeah. It, it's uh, it, it takes what what the first issue about what established and and just grew from there. So, uh, um, I can understand why you know you would read this and want to slap your knees, but this takes place pretty much seconds after the first issue where um where our pal where our uh our uh not so um Virginia's boyfriend uh person who isn't wrapped too tightly he is on the mission that uh, he was sent on uh to um take care of the sheriff and her family and he he does that but um that's not really all he does and and it's um, I'm I'm really glad that we didn't get uh a a slow mover as far as uh he, he's he's reacting a lot quicker than I would have I I'm I'm glad he is reacting this way. I'm glad it's moving this quickly. Um I I could have expected it to to be a little slower or for him to uh to get his bearings, but um he is now um, going off on uh, basically. He's well. He's been plotting his revenge, but he is. Um, he, he needs to take care of some things. And I love how in the first issue, uh, when he is abducted, and and I'm going to keep saying he because for some reason I can't remember his goddamn name right now. Edwin. Uh, thank you. Uh, Edwin is is um, taken against his will. And, and is, uh, tied up and, and basically, uh, he, he's at a abandoned bait shop, more or less. And, and what was fantastic about the first issue was the, um, we were, we were experiencing, we, we were reading his, um, his reaction, his, uh, his, his, um, getting a lay of the land and that plays into the second issue because he has to um he's he's trying to remember where he was and 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 he's asking people where he was and there are some the way i a few of the notes that i had is i i was i'm digging the overlapping stories where we have edwin trying to retrace his steps and we have uh the big bad um making sure everything that he is trying to set up goes off without a hitch. And, and those two events are happening simultaneously. And, and, and I love how we go from, from one panel to the next and, and, um, overlapping the, the two timelines. But the, um, when Edwin, as Edwin is asking people, I, I, I think Hilliard's art really makes this a special book for me because as he's talking to people, he's, he's not, um, it, it's, he's, he's socially awkward. I mean, it's his, his girlfriend's a blow up doll, but as he's, as he's talking to people, you, you see he's got like, he's got that like aw shucks leg, the, the one foot going and, um, he's just not a very, He's not comfortable around people, but he's still trying to get answers. And uh, the people he comes across are just from a whole. It's he 
they're, they're cross dressers and, and, uh, and, and he's just in a really interesting part of town. And, and, uh, <laughs> it's, 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 it's absolutely fantastic. But his, he is, while he is trying to find this bait shop, he is, uh, he, he's, able to drive down the carpool lane because he has somebody in the <laughs> car with him. Uh, and, and just, just the, the, the nonchalant way that people have and, and, and a disregard for life in this, in, in this series. That's not uh, funny though. A, a oh, dude, him, him dude driving around with a dead cop in his car. Yes. No, that I wouldn't say it's, well, I, I was gonna say, I, I wouldn't say it's funny. It's it's but, weekend at Bernie's. It's funny, it's, haha. Right. It, I mean, it's 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 fitting for this story. Yeah. For, for yeah. What's going. One of the things I, I appreciated about this issue that you read issue one and you're like, okay, Edwin is crazy. He's he's off his rocker. He's a murderer, uh, a serial killer. He thinks his his blow up doll. He he communicates with his blow up doll on a level that people communicate with other flesh and blood breathing people like he's he's basically bonkers but in issue two crazy he may be edwin is not stupid right he he is cunning and crafty well he would have to be to have been doing this for for as long as he has and not get caught right yeah, he has to Absolutely. be. Absolutely, no. Okay. Yeah, but that's but but as we yes. But he and knows as soon as he gets in the car, after he um, just basically hacksawed apart a sleeping family, and he doesn't. It doesn't seem to affect him either way. He did it, and he doesn't seem to have any remorse for it. It was just another thing he had to do. He gets in the car, and from the minute he gets in the car, he knows he's mm-hmm. being he's being bamboozled. He's being set up because when the, when the guy told him, he was just like, "Yeah, okay, I knew that." And then he pulls out the hacksaw and removes the guy's head. It's mm-hmm. it's it just it's it's a, he's a very fleet of mind character. He seems to 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 come to connections very quickly, and uh, that's that's a special mind killer. He may be right, yes, but he's smart. And 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 strong because I mean it takes a couple of um, he, he only he's able to cut the man's head off with a hex and the guy looks like he's got a pretty thick fucking neck but he's able yeah. to take it off with, with with just a few tugs and um, all of which again, you see people all of which what you see it you see him yes. do it you see him yeah you see you see him stick you, you see him scrape the the blades yeah. across his neck and then and then we we cut. To an outside shot of the car, and we see bullets flying up because obviously the guy's reflexes—he's—he's he's, he's firing off his gun. Um, he did, but then you know, but but then he's got the head in a bag. So, um, which the uh, the Lacroix the deputy is going to hold on to. Um, <laughs> but it turns out that Edwin may not be who our villains think Edwin is, because as the um, as fingerprints. Uh, as they get the results back for fingerprints, it turns out that it's not they, they, the prints don't match, and and uh, and our big bad wants to know who exactly he's dealing with. Um, right. To which the new sheriff or the former deputy um, kind of reminds the guy, "Well, if you weren't 
so goddamn impatient, then, then things might have worked out a little bit better for you. So things are going to unravel, but while that's happening, Edwin is also, he's still planning out his revenge, and uh, we get that call back to the first issue, where the people who were in the bait shop with him while he was uh, being told what his mission's going to be, he now gets to um, exact that revenge, and uh, and we're introduced to another character who also likes donuts because she is a baker. Uh, I love and, her. And she is so fetching. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I, I I love her too. But it's a um, and it, she almost kind of looks like a Tony Fleestron character to some degree. Um, you know who I see in this art? Corey Walker. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, no, yeah. you're right. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I see it. The, uh, but there's a, um, it's the whole, the second issue just really picks up the ball after it was passed off by the first issue. And it, it's a, uh, it's, it's, I, I really enjoyed it. I, I really do. This is a, and the art, you know, the, the art fits. It, it's not, this isn't, the art may look, um, Lighthearted, or or the the line work may may just you know give the sense of of um you know it, don't take it too seriously. But there's some there's some dark shit going on in this book. Yeah. And, oh yeah, and, you know on the page sure. and in people's heads. So um it's it kind of really takes you from one end. To, uh, you look at a comic book and you're like you know this is what comic books can do and and this is what they can be about and this this really t- because even you know, again she's bending over at the oven and and deputy dipshit over here is is you know is really impressed with what he's saying and and is and he's just you you definitely you have absolutely no problem with edwin wanting to take this guy out because a he's the fucking pervert um he's entitled and he's basically letting us know that if and when he's going to rape this woman and and there's yeah, but absolutely no problem with with making sure this guy gets everything that's coming to him. But so that's not why he did it, though. That's not why he's trailing him. No, no, of course it's not. He's, it absolutely is. It, it's one thing has nothing to do with the other. It's just it it's it, it makes it a lot easier for you to be glad. And this is and and this is a the only thing I wasn't and and I don't do this when I watch TV. I don't watch you know coming. I don't watch what's coming next week. I don't watch you know you guys know how i feel about trailers but i the back matter for this shows you some sneak preaks of of the third issue and i knew it's i know it's coming but i would have liked to have not known how edwin goes about torturing deputy sheriff and and it's it's it was it's there in in the sneak peek in, in in the two pages but um and then the rest of the back matter is is you know the making of the second issue but um oh damn i just looked at it yeah why, see? why did i do that <laughs> but i mean i think that he's he's trailing this this deputy haskins or raskins only because Ginny looks like virginia she even has mm-hmm. the same name. She's got yes, she's got and 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 the donuts and yes, and the absolute look and but no, no, he's he's that's that's just that's a coincidence. I think that that's just 
icing. Right. His, his, the real reason is because this dude was one of the guys. Right. That's going to lead him back to the debate show. No, that, that was in the, right. That, he right. Was, he was, right. And that, that's why he's like this guy with the tongue. So he, he knows exactly what he's going to do. Right. But you got to, we got to tell the people there's a, there's a, um, a backstory to this. This, this Bellavo guy brings Edwin in to kill the sheriff and family because he's a businessman that engages in a lot of under the table stuff. Yeah. And he wants to, uh, put a person in the role of sheriff that is more, um, that would be more conducive to his business dealings. That would look the other way. So he's going to elevate this this deputy Raskins to the the title of sheriff, and then right. everything's going to be great in the town. He could do whatever he wants and not have to mm-hmm. pay the consequences. So he brings Edwin in to take care of it, and he basically uh, picked the wrong guy. Mm-hmm. Edwin's going to yeah, take no him down. Doubt. Yeah, it, it's 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 simple, but it's so much fun. It, it's an odd book. It, it's odd in the sense that it's. Very graphic and disgusting oh, yeah. and yeah. depraved. But as you guys have characterized, he's not just a psycho. No, he's not. He's got phenomenal instincts. And he's seemingly been trained to be an expert assassin. Right. So there's a lot to him. It's. Do you think we're going to find out exactly? I don't know. I don't know. I think part of that probably is born out of commercial considerations more than anything, right? In the sense that if if the book is selling well, then there's probably a runway to give us a lot of that. If the book's not, he he likely wraps it up more on the just focusing on the the plot that we're embroiled in now. Right. I think you're right. And I don't I don't have any idea how the book's doing because the last time we looked at numbers, it was too depressing, and I decided it's better to not look at numbers. <laughs> right. And so, just like what we like. Yeah, well, that's always a good rule. Mm-hmm. Why don't you both tell me stuff that you've read that I haven't? Because um, I want to hear you talk. I bet Vince did not read the first two issues of Grass Kings. You would have won the kitty, my friend. <laughs> you would have landed on free parking? Yes. <laughs> uh, so, Grass Kings is a new book uh, by the man who apparently never sleeps, Mr. Matt Kent, and hardest working man in comics. Seriously, well, yeah, yeah. I mean, if it, who isn't Jeff Lemire? I guess that's uh, true. And they are boys. They are. So I'm guessing maybe they just sit in a room together and just hoist Adderall into each other's mouths every few hours to just keep going and going and going. Is is Matt from uh, Canada? No, I thought it was he, uh, St. Louis, was. I believe. Oh wow! All right, I was thinking further further west, but cool. Okay, um, Matt Kent is your writer. Tyler Jenkins is your artist, um, and he has. Uh, I have not read. Um, what is it? Uh, Peter Pan's or Faust? But I did read Snowblind uh, last year, which was a miniseries um, about a family who um, was basically put in, in witness protection and, and uh, shipped off to Alaska. Um, and the uh, no good son kind of ruined things for everybody. But this is quite different. 
than that. Um, published by Boom, like I said, written by Matt, illustrated by Tyler, lettered by Jim Campbell. Um, it is, I, you know what? It, it's, it's a familiar tale. It's, you know, I, I'm, I'm, you, you've read and seen, uh, countless times the story of, you know, whether it's, uh, it's people from different sides of the tracks and, you know, it, it's us versus them and Hatchfields and McCoys. It's, it's, there are, there are people who just keep to themselves and, and that's who they are. And then you have, you know, the real world, the outsiders, the, 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 the regular folk and, um, yeah, I mean, the, the theme of this book is not far off from a book I spoke about just a few weeks ago, Brian Wood's Briggsland. And I still haven't read that, so okay. Right, I just mean in terms of, of it's a story of a, of a bunch of people that live on a parcel of land that they view as independent from uh, from the country. It's their own little so grass it's, kingdom. It's brown town. Yeah. yeah. In this case, it's the grass kingdom. Yeah. Uh, which is basically run it then and... The, the the person the leader of the grass kingdom uh, is Robert who is one of three brothers um, Asher and what the hell's the sheriff's name um, he uh, but they pretty much are they're they're they run this place um, and the uh, let's see um, Damn, even Shelly doesn't say his name. I was trying to, um, I, 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 oh, Bruce. Bruce is the sheriff. It's Bruce, Robert, who, um, definitely has some baggage. There's been some drama in his life and, uh, and their younger brother. But, um, it, I, I don't, you know, the first issue is, I, I, props to Matt because you're thrown right in to this world and instead of getting texts of you know where we are who the people are uh you're basically you're being told what this place is because sheriff bruce found an outsider there was somebody who came in onto into their community came over the fence came over the wall whatever you want to call it who basically trespassed into the Grass Kingdom, and Bruce has to escort him to back home. Uh, so while he's doing that, he's driving him around the place. You're being introduced to people, and and I, I appreciate that we're just we are as as the readers as, as new residents. Um, you're just being told exactly what's going on, and and it was a uh, it, it's 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 a, a it's a device that can be used too often or, or used poorly, but uh, not in this case. Matt, Matt does a really good job. I felt uh, basically just getting you up to speed and, and everything you need to know. Um, and he doesn't drag it on because uh, once once the uh, once the trespasser is sent along back home, then we uh, we we kind of get some of what, what went on in Robert's life and why he's, he's the mess that he is. And it's not, um, it's not a happy story. Um, but the first issue, I think did a real good job of getting, giving you an idea of, of what you can expect. The second issue gets you, um, that's, that's when you're kind of, um, 
you need to, um, uh, the, the second, the second issue kind of gives me an idea that I'm not sure if, if the outside world, if the people beyond the borders of the gas, the grass kingdom, if, if they're, if they're in the wrong. I mean, yes, there's, there's going to be bad people on both sides, but I don't know if, you know, you can think the grass kingdom, the people there, the residents want to be left alone and, and, um, and just, you know, this is who we are. We're independent. We take care of our own. We even, we even got our own airstrip. Um, but, you know, rumor has it that there's a serial killer in their midst and, and, you know, they're taking care of their own. Uh, so I'm not real sure if the normal folks outside of the grass kingdom, if, if they're completely, um, if they're the bad guys, there are some because there's a, uh, there's a, going to be a series of events that um, the sheriff of the neighboring town uh, is basically putting in action and uh, I don't think he may be a very nice guy but apparently there is there's a woman there's a girl who's missing and that's why this kid trespassed into the grass kingdom because uh, he was looking for her and um, and he's also kind of basically spying on the place. Um, so when he's let go and, and sent back home, uh, the sheriff is asking him, you know, if, if, if he saw her, if, if she's there, um, if he has any information. So, um, in the second issue, the sheriff has, has enlisted, uh, somebody to kind of, uh, kick off a war. For lack of a better term, but um, yeah, I think I we we don't know. We're basically learning more about Robert than anybody else right now. Um, I'm sure we'll learn as, as Matt likes to do. We'll 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 get some more information on on some of the other characters. But um, I like I, I like Tyler's art. But right now with the two issues, I, I think Matt is what has me wanting to see where we're going right now. I, I Tyler's got some I, – I dig the watercolors. I, I like the art. There's one character, Pinball, who I like or maybe liked, I should say. Um, there's, yeah, I think liked is the correct term. Right? Um, yeah. So, you know, there's there's just um, – there's – I. I liked it. I, I when I saw it in previews a few months ago, I was like, I'm going to keep an eye out for this. It, it's um, yeah, I I trust Matt. I he's, he's he's built up enough credit where I I will definitely um try something. Uh, I wasn't quite sure what to expect, but uh, I I like it. I I'm going to see where it's going for now, and and I think uh, I think it's pretty neat. It's it's just it's like I said, it's it's not a a new take. It's not a new story by any means, but I, I'm interested to see where uh, where he kind of tweaks things. Right, I agree with with what you're saying. I, I think the backdrop here, which is cool, are the interstitials taking us from the almost the, from the dawn of man, but certainly for Native Americans, and then we have a flashback from the 1700s, the start of the second issue, establishing this land as almost having a preternatural component to it of killer be killed survival of the fittest 
there, there's just there's flashbacks throughout history of people essentially killing other men, killing other men in the name of possessing the property uh, and setting a tone for um, possession being nine tenths of the of the law of the land type of thing. So you wonder if that's going to be a dynamic where the brothers are competing for each other's or for the for the control of the, of, of the area. If it's uh, people from the outside encroaching and having to battle for their for for what they already have, not sure. Uh, the the watercolor aesthetic here is 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 great because it makes it a different look than the other books in my stack every week. Yeah. Um. I I think it's. It's interesting that the the art is in its own way fitting because I, I think it's although very different from what Kent or Lemire would do if they were drawing books. Um, this the style it's still a style that fits in that if there was an art an art studio including those two guys and then Tyler Tyler would fit in with them it, it all kind of fits together. Um, so yeah, no, I'm with you. I, I dig it so far. I, I I do find myself comparing it to Briggs Land because, in a lot of ways, these are similar stories. They're set in uh, parcels of land that are controlled by a group of a family that that uh, that have a longstanding history in this land and are 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 willing to defend their right to own and run the land as an independent independent from our our, our federal government. Um, much different stories, though. Uh, so far, not. This has a more of a spiritual character-driven overtone. Briggsland, I think, is 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 more setting up a, a traditional um, drama of political drama uh, set in that setting. So, so different tones, but 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 still, it kind of fascinates me that you get stories of this ilk at the same time. Um, from what I understand, this has really been a, a passion project for Tyler for a long time, and he and Matt are friends, and, and he solicited Matt's help to make this a reality, uh, which is always a good choice. I think anytime you can say, "Hey, Matt Kent, my buddy, can you help me?" and he said, "Sure, I'll write it." I think you can't go wrong. Uh, so yeah, I'm with you. I, I think this is dope, and uh, uh, I have no idea where it's going to go. I, I I couldn't hazard a guess as to where we're going from here, but but that's that's a bit of the fun, I think. Yes. Crickets to Vince, right? No, I'm enjoying listening to you. It looks great. It does. It does. And I will so, probably read it when it's collected. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Should we we tell our friends about uh, about our new efforts at, at other areas of the web? We should. Well, first we should mention, as we did last week, that we uh, are proudly now members of the Patreon community. Uh, at the very encouraging urging of our longtime listeners, um, we heeded their advice and we launched a Patreon. And for those that are unfamiliar, Patreon is a platform to allow you to support creators from all walks of the artistic life that uh, you enjoy. And it's a fairly simple model. You go to patreon.com. In our case, it would be patreon.com backslash 11, the numbers, o'clock comics. And... If you dig what we're putting down and you think that we provide you with uh, a decent amount of entertainment every week, uh, it is an opportunity, as many of you have asked for many years, to show your love. And 
the thing I think we took great effort in doing is taking a look at what other uh, creators, uh, different walks of life were doing on their Patreon accounts. And it seemed like the ones that, that made the most sense to us were those that offered in a quid pro quo form, extra goodies, bells and whistles, add-ons in exchange for the support. And so that that's what we've done as well. Um, I think I speak for all three of us by saying I'm overwhelmed by the support we've been shown uh, in the first week plus that we've been up and running. It's, it's, it's extremely humbling and we thank you for that. Um, and, you know, I think that uh, our promise to you is that we will, you know, we think we've structured a bunch of cool, cool extras um, that, that make it worth, worth the sponsorship. And um, in the first week we, we had three, we had our first three goals met, which was um, listener questions, uh, which we're going to get to here in a second, uh, a book of the month, which I believe we're going to be putting up the poll either later this week or early next week. And that will be uh, our, our patrons will have the opportunity to vote on a, uh, a book or a collected edition uh, that they want us to do a deep dive in each month. Uh, and then the third goal uh, was a bonus episode. So from here on out, you'll get at least one extra episode um, per month from us. And uh, we have some thoughts as to what this first one out of the gates will be. But stay tuned on that. And our next goal, uh, which is 71% complete at this point, uh, is hanging with the dudes. So once we reach that goal, uh, we will have a Google Hangout each month where we will be online and you can see our made-for-radio faces, and uh, we can talk about life, the universe, and everything. And then on the other side are for each individual patron. See, all of those things benefit everybody in the community. So everybody gets to benefit from all of that, whether you're a patron or not. Now, if you are a patron, you get some other cool stuff, uh, inclusive of we have the EOC Familia, which is if you if you donate $5 or more per month, you are added to our wall of appreciation. Um if you become an Illuminati member, which is the next tier up, you get a shout out on the show. And uh, in that regard, do we want to uh, go ahead and, and give some other shout outs? Yes, I am bringing up the list from where we left off last week. So you keep talking. Cool. Um, and um, and so the uh, again, it's fairly easy. It's 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 if you are interested in showing some support for the show, this is certainly the best way to do so. Uh, and you know, so far we're quite pleased with, with, with the platform. We think it's very user friendly for us. It makes it very easy to create rewards and tiers and execute upon them. Um, we've also been having some fun with a patron only series of content where we've been putting up our reading list. So you all can follow along if you're a patron. We've been doing some hot take debates where we throw some relatively uh, inflammatory concepts out there to discuss and debate. Uh, so it's been a lot of fun so far, and it's only going to get better. Uh, again, we're getting our feet wet here, getting our lay of the land, and um, so we really hope it becomes a very enriching component, not only of the show as a whole, but we do hope that we're going to give enough back to the patrons that it makes sense for them to uh, to, to have showed their support, and we thank you for that. So, um, so David, do you want to go ahead and, uh, and hit that? We will start off with... Uh I threw it in the Skype for you guys. Ricardo, carry on. Uh, oh, our boy, Mr. Ramon Ortega. Oh, yeah. Shout out, Ray. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sean Fitzpatrick, uh, one of my favorite people because I wouldn't have been able to get caught up on 
so many Marvel comics in the recent years. Uh, Mr. John Wimmer. For sure. Uh, and, uh, and, and someone who is well on his way of pretty much owning almost every issue of Amazing Spider-Man. Uh, Arnie Schoenshek. Mm-hmm. And... Not to mention a fellow Ryan Pasebe commission receiver. Yes. Yeah, that, that seems to be a growing club as well. <laughs> uh, and the last one I will mention before passing it off, Mr. Chris Seifert, who, um, is a, is, I have a lot of favorite people, but Chris is, um, I, comic book DB, and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, way back when we had the old Bullpen Bulletins, mm-hmm. uh, community, there was the, uh, the little, um, comic book db sidebar where right. you refresh to see a different issue it's just chris is just really yeah. really cool people so um you know you bring up a great point uh i think i genuinely go to comic book db at least once a day yeah me too oh absolutely day. just i mean because i need to get i need to get creators for you know whatever books we're going to be talking about i got to make sure that you know they're easily i'm able to see who did what um we use them to, to check out covers uh, but yes, absolutely. It, it is, it is a, an amazing resource. It truly is. And, uh, by all means, that is something that, uh, I think if you have never done, but you do use it, you should consider making a donation to that as well, because that is the Wikipedia model where it's user generated. Although I think Chris has a, a in his, the Patriots have a big role to play in making sure that place stays up and running, but it's remarkable how quickly and accurately all the new comic content goes up. Um, and continuing our shout-outs, shout-out to Mr. Paul Harmon, Mr. Christopher Cox, Mr. John W. Zer, Mr. Ian Matthew Spillane. Mickey and, to his uh, friends. That is true. Yes. And uh, Vince, you want to uh, hit that up? Tyler Verissimo, mm-hmm. Clint Johnson, Felipe Garza, my heart is Ooh, my heart's beaten, and Alex Mansfield. My nice. boy. That's yes. right. My boy. And uh, Josh just, Flanagan's uh, better, better looking twin brother. <laughs> Stop again. <laughs> I floated a uh, poll among the patron uh, subscribers, do we call them? Patrons? Uh, patrons. The hey. patrons, yeah. The patrons have spoken. I said, hey, do me a favor. Let's play this little game. Uh, pick a book for me to read for episode 475. And admittedly, I did stack the deck in my favor. You think? Yes. <laughs> but it didn't um, come out the way I intended because I have to do something that I am very... Um, I, I don't Mom look. F- I don't look forward mm-hmm. to to saying that this not is not the the be all and the end all. But anyway, um, among the titles they could have chosen was uh, Boom, uh, the Midas Flesh issues one to eight, which I'm still gonna I'm gonna cover all of these eventually. But you know, expediency from Dynamite. David said there always has to be a Dynamite book on 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 my list, and it was the Owl, number one to four. From DC, I chose Superboy's Legion, the Alan Davis joint, the two-issue thing that's uh, amazing. And from Marvel Max, and this is where I kind (laughs) of skewed it a bit, I chose the Haunt of Horror, H.P. Lovecraft by Richard Corbin, the three issues. And the patrons have spoken with a total of uh, 28 votes. 
for Marvel Max, Haunt of Horror, H.P. Lovecraft by Richard Corbin. Um, visually, these three issues are a winner. Uh, Richard Corbin, everyone knows, I think he is one of the all-time great comic book artists, uh, especially when he's doing the psychological horror of H.P. Lovecraft. That said, um, it's an anthology. And what he did was he cherry-picked. He, he took um, some straight-out H.P. Lovecraft stories and adapted them. And he also took the fungi from Yugoth, which is, if you're an H.P. Lovecraft aficionado, you know it's a sequence of 36 sonnets. He kind of took a sonnet and adapted it into a, a, a four or, or eight page story. Like I said, visually it's amazing. No one does cosmic horror like Richard Corbin. Uh, you, he presses all the right buttons. You have characters displaced in time and space. Uh, they're, you know, not being able to discern what's real and what's not is an H.P. Lovecraft staple. It's emotionally devastating, right? Just, just ask Wolverine. But I think where this series doesn't hit the mark is the stories are too short. Hmm. How yes. short is too short? There's some four-page stories. And, and, and then the four page story will be followed up with the complete text Ooh. of a story oh. that, that was adapted. Nice. So it's just page after page of, of just prose. And that's great if you're an HP Lovecraft fan, but I've, I've read these stories a million times, right? I don't need the text of, of, uh, you know, the, the Eric Zahn. I, I've read it. And you just adapted it, so why are you making me read it again? It's just stunning sequential art, but you, Jason's gravitas that he talks so much about is not there because you mm. don't get enough time, especially in the stories that he wrote based on the sonnets from Fungi from Yagoth. Um, and you could see there's one story that um, there's a homosexual african-american couple in it and mm -hmm. if you know your lovecraft the jury is still very much out on whether or not he would have approved of that uh that's all i'm saying uh so we don't get to know these two characters at all we we know they're in love but that's just about it and yet when when the uh, the resolution comes the the, the trademark hp lovecraft Depressing, mind-searing, cosmically, uh, you don't get any kind of gravitas from it. Yes, this character just lost his mind or this character dies and we don't care because we don't mm -hmm. know them. You didn't have enough pages to, to make us care. So visually, it's stunning. In terms of content, eh, Corbin has done better. Hmm. Yeah. That says a lot for you to say it that way. Meaning he's written better stories. Mm -hmm. Visually, he's always, he always hits the mark visually. He's Richard, no doubt. Richard friggin' Corbin. Come on. But sure. if, if you would like to read, uh, a Lovecraft adaptation or extrapolation by the best, well, you pick up one of Alan Moore's books, whether it be mm -hmm. the, the, the courtyard or, or, uh, Neonomicon. That, that's, 
that's the way it's done. Sure. So there you go. I had I have fulfilled that obligation. Next time I will not skew. I'll, I'll, I'll pick stuff that you would never expect me to read. No doubt. Like All right. That. So we, as part of our Patreon campaign, we have listener questions now. And we, uh, we are going to jump up in there and do that. Wow. So, so I will go ahead and pick one. And this is from Mr. Alex Mansfield. He wants to uh, us all to weigh in on what character has had the best costume upgrade. Now, I picked this one because I had an immediate answer. And that would be when my man, Mr. James, don't call me Logan Howlett, went from the wackadocious Stop. green and blue costume that he was originally known for I mean, yeah, to yeah. the absolutely stunning, and please can we bring it back when we bring Wolverine back to life, brown and mustard costume first made famous by Frank Miller in the miniseries. Absolutely stunning. Love that costume. Pretty much the only superhero that can look cool in a brown costume. And uh, was the perfect costume. We should never have seen a different one. I don't agree. It's not your answer. I know. I'm going to call him Logan. What you got, Vince? Ah, boy. Go ahead. You can say the armor daredevil costume. <laughs> yeah. The, <laughs> with the vents on it and everything it's and like, the, the louvers. It's, like, it's just wonderful. It's like, my sentences are enhanced. Let me walk around in metal. I don't know. Why don't you go so I can think? I, I really, oh, really? No, I really don't. I don't. What about Cosmic Boy's girdle? Uh, yeah, the, the no, <laughs> the corset. You mean? No, I don't yeah, like that the... either. Oh man, um, I it's it's weird. A part of me really wants to say the uh, symbiote, but really better than the red and blue. Oh, I love though the red and blue forever. Okay, but I I wouldn't. Um, it was no, yeah, because the question is best. So no, that that's not best. That was that that was a, that was a, a look I liked, but um, yeah, it's weird for me. Um, I got it. What? Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. The Planet Hulk costume. Oh, I was just thinking that. I oh, the gladiators. Yeah, with the with the Roman style head headgear yeah. and the, that mm-hmm. because for decades we just got purple pants. And right. and seeing the Hulk all gladiated out, that that was the best upgrade in my my book. Granted, there was no way he could continue to wear that because you take him out of uh, Scar, and then mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. But yeah, for that brief period, that glorious Planet Hulk period, I thought mm-hmm. that costume was great. I'm with that. Okay. Now I'm sorry, David. Go ahead. Don't be sorry. Um. I am, um, I want to say, because I'm, I'm going to, um, I just want to make sure, give me one second. I, uh, yeah, no, 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 I know exactly. It's, um, it's the, 
George Perez, um, Donna Troy Wonder Girl. Okay. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. That's a very good one, David. Kudos. I like that one. Thank you. Props to the chef. Oh. And and who yeah. drew it? Okay, I'm I'm I shouldn't even be saying this, but mm-hmm. Perez designed it. But I I think there was one artist that upped him on the rendering of mm-hmm. that costume. John Byrne. Cost- John Byrne. When John Byrne drew that cover with Superman mm-hmm. holding up the Titans, and oh, I I just think his his depiction of that costume was amazing. Right. Yeah. Oh, from Action Comics. Yeah, yeah. Yes, okay. yes. Now, I don't know. I have two X-Men related ones, but I don't know if they count. So I'll throw them out there. You guys can tell me if they violate the rule. Um, one of my favorite characters of all time is Beast. And I love the blue furred Beast. Right. Um, versus the original view of him, which was just a, a normal kid with giant feet. I don't know if that counts as a costume change, though. Sure it, it more does. Of a, okay. Um, and then similarly, then if that counted, then this one probably will as well. Uh, I absolutely love the design of Archangel, changing Angel to a dude with with spiky metal killer wings. Love that design. Mm. So <laughs> apparently, I leave Vince cold with that one. Yeah, but, a little bit. Uh, but I would throw those out there. I guess you can call me a purist. I, I really don't like when they tweak the original costumes. Like like when when I first. Encountered these these characters way 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 back when mm-hmm. when they change I just almost to a rule never liked it. Mm-hmm. Another one would be when Cobra Commander went from <laughs> shiny to the- shiny helmet. No, from shiny helmet to hood. To hood. <laughs> when he would just when when he was sweaty and he just needed something a little bit breathed. Um, mine know, is uh, uh, another one is um, when uh, Captain Marvel. Shifted out of the uh, Cree uniform and went to the red and sure. blue. It showed off his golden locks. Yeah, that's. The, I think that's one of the few upgrades that worked for me. Anyway, I like. I mean, I I like it's it's silly because I don't see how it's 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 keeping anybody secret identity. But I even like it when Gil Kane did it for the Ray Palmer Adam mm-hmm. for sort of the Adam because I mean and that made sense because oh my god he's going down and and the um. And the airplane and, and it, the costume's ripped and it just so happened to rip the top part of his cowl, but at least it, I, I like, I like that look. I like the, um, you know, same thing with, uh, cause she eventually became Photon, but I, I like the type of mask that just kind of covers the eyes, but it's still connected to, mm-hmm. to the neck and everything. But, um, yeah, that, that one, um, I, speaking of that, because you said Photon, I, I, I loved the design of binary. Which was Carol oh, Danvers' yeah. character for a while, and it's been a long time since she's been binary, at least as far as I know. Um, I don't mind her her current look, her Captain Marvel look. I think both her Captain Marvel and her binary look are better than her original Miss um, Marvel look. Yeah, yeah. Um, but but the binary one was dope. I like that a lot. Uh, not really a um, a, a an upgrade, only because I, I just. Uh, since Vince mentioned the action comics from Burn, I, I absolutely adore um, Burn actually making something of the Superman S Shield and, and making it bigger than mm. everybody else ever drew it. Um, 
Because it shouldn't be some small. I mean, it's, it's like the size of a belt buckle when Kurt Swan or Wayne Bourne or anybody else draws it. It's like, dude, come on. So for for Byrne to actually make it prominent, I, I appreciated that. Um, one upgrade that I definitely did not care for uh, was um, when Jim Lee came on and turned Scott, don't call me Slim Summers, and, and changed. Uh, Into buff Summers? Yeah, yeah. That is not. Right. No. Um, I, I have one. Sure. Of course you do. Go for it. Yes. I think the Falcon, when he changed from the green to the oh, red. Nice. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah, think. Yeah, no, for sure. I completely, I don't, I don't even mm-hmm. think of the green one. So no. Thank I you. agree, right? Yeah. No, that's same great. Mm-hmm. And, they, and they should have just stopped after yeah, the, the red and white because right. that's right. the perfect costume for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm with you there. That's a good call. Yeah, I like it. All right, David, why don't you pick another question from our our bevy? Uh, we have, um, and this is uh, this is actually pretty. Um, this is from Mister Rory Walker. I've noticed that you guys seem to read a lot of books in issues, even if you wait six months or more to catch up. Why do you prefer this to trade reading? And for me, yes, it is, it is sort of, um, I mean, I was, I was doing that for, for years, um, basically self trade waiting for at the time, because I was going to school, I would reward, I'd, I'd still buy the single issues, but I'd reward myself after accomplishing something school related to read, uh, to, to catch up on a series. Now I, now I think we do it for the show where we still, we get our books, we still read them. But if, and you can look, uh, the patrons can see, you know, our, our reading list, as Vince pointed out before, uh, and you'll see, you know, we've been doing it for a couple of weeks now, and there are books, there are titles that we've had on there uh, that we don't get to every week. If we read, I mean, we, we, we may read a dozen books from one week to the next, but it's a two, two and a half, three hour show if we all only talk about two books each, we're not going to get to everything. So that sort of just ends up piling up as well. So yeah, we do. I'm a read, like Jason's going to read, you know, Steve Rogers or Sam Wilson, the Captain America books, uh, read it every month. But by the time you get to actually talk about them, it might not be until an arc is finished or for four or five issues. So, um, I think just based on the nature of the show and, and how we don't really plan, we, we know, what we'd like to talk about based on what we read, but we never, I, r- rarely do we all agree to say, okay, we each read this or let's make sure we talk about this next week. For the most part, it's just, we're still reading what we read, but by the time we get to talk about it on the show, uh, we're, we're a few issues deep. Yeah. But if I notice a trend among Jason and David's reading list that I didn't read, I will read it. You guys will instigate me to oh, read same it here. Yeah. just because yeah. mm-hmm. I, I don't no, want to sure. be sitting on the sidelines for the whole show. Yeah, right. but grass, uh, kings. grass kings, right? The uh, here's a little bit of uh, a peek behind the curtain. I have whittled my single buying down to probably five or six books. Oh, same here. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I, I buy exclusively. Well, that's not right. I buy almost exclusively trades. Right. That said, I will 
um, hit up David or Jason to read one of their digital issues for the show. Right, yeah, you know. I took his question to mean that it seems like we don't necessarily clamor to be current on everything. That's not what our show's about. Oh, definitely not. And, and I mean, and, and yeah, we, well, we did said you that think- where it's, it's, I don't know why I've, you know, let this sit in the pile for so long. And now the next issue comes out and I got to read it. I mean, we've, I've definitely let things pile up. Right. Um, but I took, I took this question to mean, why is it that we, in spite of letting things pile up in his mind, still prefer to read catch up by reading single issues instead of collected editions. And to that vein, I must admit, I, I don't, I no longer think of the world that way. Um, I end up ordering lots of collected editions, just like Vince and David now, much more than single issues. Um, and frankly, between digital comp copies that we get, um, comicsology that we buy, um, single issues that I still pre-order and, and, and then collected editions, I often will have read something in a digital form now that I then eventually get a physical copy of. Sometimes I've read it digitally before I get the physical copy and it just goes into my collection. Uh, other times, um, yeah, as he noted, we'll just have, not have gotten around to it. And then, um, I guess if I, if I, I guess what I'm trying to say is if I have a collected edition of something that piques my interest and I haven't read it digitally yet, I will prefer to grab the trade or the issues and read them. Cause I still do like that tactile experience that we've had for most of our lives. But the reality is, a good 70% plus of my reading now is done with digital copies first. And, and then much of that I then do end up having the physical copy, but it goes not open because I've already read it digitally. So, but I, my point there is I don't think of it anymore as reading a collected edition versus single issues. I think for me, the issue is more a lot of books these days, since they're written for arcs just become easier to read in arcs because that's how they're intended to be read. Right. Yeah. Structure. That's all. Yeah. Right. right. But I, to me, I don't make a delineation anymore between, Oh, I'm reading issues on this one and I'm reading a trade on that one. That's just a byproduct of how I may have pre-ordered it. Um, there are some, some books I still get in single issue just because I'm a freak and I've always gotten them in single issues. So I don't want to stop. Um, there are things I get in trade again, just because I always get them in trade from the first time I started reading it. Um, but yeah, it's, 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 like I said, I don't know where you guys are on the, on the digital versus, versus print now, but I'd say set probably 70 to 70% of what I read and talk about on the show. I have read digitally first. Yeah. Same. Yeah. Same. same. Yep. Yeah. Oh, and that's, and, and yeah, as a, um, a prime example of, of things that I would let pile up, um, the walking dead, I'll mm-hmm. go, uh, I'll go six seven issues. I, I didn't read, I didn't, I don't think I read the entire, I don't, I think I let it pile up during the whole Whisper War, so I, I yeah, I, I... How about those last two issues, Dan? Oof. I mean, it was, you knew it was coming based on what happened, but uh, it, it still wasn't... Um, I was surprised that Kirkman felt the need to write a letter and an editorial at the end to yes. express his personal uh, sadness over having to make, make that move. You know, yeah. You're going to make me read it, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah, we are. Mm-hmm. And uh, which, which is almost 
funny, ironic that, you know, she was a character who was pretty much despised on the TV right, show. Right, right. Anyone who hasn't read the comics has watched TV show is going to be you good know, riddance. Was she still doing around? Y'all just spoiled it for me. No. no we didn't. Yeah, you did. Oh, no. you, you totally did. We did, yeah. But anyway, there is a danger. You did. There is a danger did, yes. of letting books pile up. Absolutely. Because um, okay. I, have, I have one prime example. I would let Savage Dragon pile up mm. for eight, ten, sometimes a year's worth before I read them. And then um, I recently dropped the book because the last time I got caught up, it just seemed like Larson was doing the same old, same old. Right. And I, I recently, you know me, if I buy a, a title for 230-some-odd issues or whatever it was when I dropped it, the, the, it's nice to be able to, to go back and revisit what it was that made me buy that book for so long. So I, I, I just took a peek at the past maybe six issues of Savage Dragon Mm-hmm. Eric Larson has lost his goddamn mind. Mm-hmm. You can tell him that at Heroes. I, the, the book, the book, <laughs> like he has always embraced the cheesecake. For sure. He, you know, with Dart, you'd always there would be crotch shots all over the place, and with Angel, like he he loves buxom women. Who doesn't, right? But the book now, it's it's borderline explicit. Like there's rampant nudity in it. The, the the language is foul in Savage Dragon, like people throwing around the C word like crazy. Hmm. And I'm wondering, and now I want to read it again because it's, <laughs> you know, it makes me want to read it. Actually. No, it's it's actually different. Maxine is a nymphomaniac. Like she, there there was one scene where she can't get enough dick or or anything. There's a scene where Angel and Maxine are just after the fact, you know. Whatever happened, happened, and they're they're sitting in a bed talking, and Maxine gets so horny, she just starts to masturbate in front of Angel. Angel's like, what the hell's going on? And Larson does the majority of it off panel, but there's liquid, like, shooting into the panel as as Maxine is masturbating. I'm like, wow! He's a gusher? No, yeah, it's definitely, there's been definitely a change in Savage Dragon, whether he thinks he needs more readers, so he upped the explicit content of it. Sounds like just the opposite to me. I don't know, it's, it's... He's decided he's doing it for himself, and the readers are the readers, and... But, I mean, the, the, the last time I remember honestly being shocked about Savage Dragon, the events in Savage Dragon, Horridus did something to, to... Papa Dragon, um, she kind of went down on him. And, and, but you didn't really see it. Like, you saw her eyes and the way his body mm-hmm. was positioned. And he was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, she didn't understand what it meant to to be intimate with a person. She thought it was like mm-hmm. the thing, you know, just another thing. And I was like, wow, that's a neat take on that character. But now it's it's he's off the rails. you got to look at the book. Like there's nudity every other page. I'm 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 overstating it. It's not every other page, but it seems like it's every other page because it was few and far between before. Like the one issue when God dropped the f bomb, that was a big deal. Now this last issue I looked at, the f bomb is like all over the place. It's just mm. he it, the book has definitely changed, and it makes me want to read it now. So yeah, that's what happens when you let issues pile up. I never would have known. 
<laughs> if I let them pile up, they're like, wow, this dragon is off the rails. Right. So let's move on. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Or, or if you have something to add. No, I'm can... just going to say it does speak to how much times have changed in the sense that for a long time we all had this, the whole industry, the whole collecting mindset was got to keep buying these issues. You know, couldn't break our streaks, had to have our collections. Mm-hmm. And I think there were periods of time that, admitted or not, we bought lots of comics we didn't end up reading, or at least thought, oh, we'll get back to reading that. We just didn't bother at times because it wasn't hot, but we had to keep our Spider-Man streak going on. We had to keep our yeah. Avengers streak going on. Um, I mean, a lot of collectors were like that. Um, and then the trade thing started happening. You could jump in with trades, and but now digital's changing. I mean, for me, um, and I know for, for David, Marvel Unlimited, and, and if we get a similar thing from DC, which it seems like we might be here soon, once we get the details, it's another game changer for me because now I will frequently and have, in fact, just a week or two ago when I, I read 21 issues of Aquaman, I just jumped in and just read them all in one chunk because I felt like reading some Aquaman and I had access to them on my iPad and I just went ahead and plowed 21. In in the old days, I, I would have either had them put aside in a stack or they would have been in piles and I would have had to have gone through the trouble of seeking them out or or pulling them out of my, my Regina, right, and then going through and reading them. And it would have been a much more concerted effort, and I probably would have defaulted to reading whatever was at the top of the stack, whatever trade I had handy instead. But now I feel like I can pretty much read almost anything in my collection at a moment's notice. It doesn't take a lot of effort to go from here or there and to binge on a bunch of stuff. It's no different than how people consume television now and it's just so much easier to binge than you ever could before and uh, it changes the whole parameters of which I think you think of the medium though um, I've almost found myself preferring long form beyond trades now um, we have a, a special someone coming on soon and uh, I know we some of us have some catching up to do in that regard and um, it's just but it's not we think nothing of okay I have to read these 15 issues of this book I'm behind on I'm just going to go ahead and do it, right? It's no longer a chore to do that. It's very easy. Mechanistically, I'm speaking about. Or not. <laughs> wow, you want instant gratification. Crickets, it's cool. Uh, you're, you're absolutely right. Naturally. It is true. We got one more? Yeah, let's have Vince pick one. I get to pick a book uh, or a, a, a question? A question. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. 47. Oh, I know what he's going to pick. Yep. Okay. Which means he can run with it because I don't have an answer. Same. Well, I do have an answer, but it's going to be Vince's answer. So. Right. Yeah. Just, what, he, <laughs> what he said. From Zach Davis. <laughs> I've hardly read any Spider-Man. Oh, no. What are some of your absolute favorite runs? Mm-hmm. And because he's running through a ton of comics on, on Marvel Unlimited. Mm-hmm. Okay. This is extremely easy for me. It's not going to be a popular answer with uh, <laughs> Jason. Oh, no. But <laughs> my all-time favorite Spider-Man run is the Jerry Conway stuff. 
But why? Because it was the first time I really paid attention to Spider-Man. Okay. I I, I, I was born a Fantastic Four fan because it was the first comic I was given. But mm-hmm. once I got a bead on this, this friendly neighborhood wall-crawling guy, the, the Jerry Conway stuff was the, the very first time I took it seriously. I bought occasionally Spider-Man before that, but Hammerhead and Kingpin and the Punisher and um, the, the, the story that was the basis for the Clone Saga and the Whirlwind. And it's just Jerry Conway's run is amazing. Uh, Tarantula. It's, it's just the, 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 the Ramita design covers, the Ross Andrew and Mike Esposito art. It's just that is my Golden Age Spider-Man, that team. Conway, um, Ross Andrew, and Mike Esposito. I love that run. Gwen comes back. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Grizzly. It's the Spider Mobile. It was just—it's just an amazing time for Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Well, I can't argue with you because Conway did do Gwen Stacy dying, so I can't. Hard to. I mean, that would be on anybody's short list. Yeah, and I forgot about the Goblin. You know, the whole Spider-Man stories. Yeah, it's great. Um, well, your... I, I certainly would have, as we spoke about last week. I mean, Craven's Last Hunt certainly belongs. Long's mentioned for sure. Um, one that uh, maybe Zach hasn't gotten to yet, but I would imagine is on Comics Marvel Unlimited would be the uh, Spectacular Spider-Man 107 through 110, The Death of Gene DeWolf, uh, written by our favorite taxpayer, Peter David, uh, and, uh, and drawn, drawn by the late Rich Buckler. Yes. Um, but that's a great story. Um, you know, four issues. It's, it's less than what would be a trade today, but... Uh, Involving the Sin Eater, and um, he goes in the killing spree. That, that's a great story. The Sin Eater, that is, not Spider-Man. Correct. And it is the, uh, it, it's, it uh, plants the seed for what would um, become one of Spider-Man's greatest um, foes, uh, it, because it is, I'm not going to spoil it, but um, there's something that happens to a character uh, in that story that ends up uh, it he ends up playing a much bigger part in in Peter Parker and in Spider-Man's life uh, mm-hmm. a few years later so um, which going back to, to what Conway did and, and the seeds he planted which of course Gave them many more stories later on mm-hmm. for Spider-Man. That um, that's something else that that Peter David did. That that is a good one. I that that's one of my favorite stories. It's it's and it it packs a punch. Mm-hmm. What about you, Mister Spidey? Um, well, because Vince is old, mine is uh, <laughs> my mine's pretty much the uh, the run following his my um my. Whereas Vince loves the the Andrew drawn penciled uh, Spider Man stories, I am right around um, before two hundred, and then really from 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 two hundred to about actually to to up to about two fifty. That's when John Romita Jr. Was drawing the book and, and you had things by, by Jim Mooney, 
or uh, it just there were a lot of that that brought in the um, the hobgoblin. Uh, you got uh, the rose. There was um, there were the, the villains may not have been um, as threatening or menacing as they were when Connolly was writing the book, but there mm-hmm. was still uh, I mean, but, but Roger Stern told some really great stories. You had the two part with uh, nothing stops the juggernaut and great. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was going to mention that. Actually. That was, that was fantastic. And, and uh, the way Spider-Man is able to um, stop the unstoppable foe, it just, um, cause I mean, he's going after Madam Webb. It's like big whoop. She, she, she's a blind old decrepit lady. Like who's going to, so, but he's got to stop him anyway. Uh, but I just, I, I love, I close my eyes and I still picture Romita Jr. Spidey before Todd got his hands on the character and, and did the big eyes and the small webbed costume and, and mm-hmm. just noodling the webbing for days. Um, <laughs> webbing for just, days. just that corner box and, and just, just that look and, and having Romita Jr. draw him swinging through, through skyscrapers and everything. That's just, that's, I, I absolutely adore that run. And then once after Secret Wars, uh, with 252, you had, um, Alzi was the editor on the book, but that's when, uh, Ron Friends was penciling it and, and, uh, the Falco was writing it. And, and there were some funky stories too. And I liked the way Friends drew Spidey. It was, it was kind of Ditko-y, but still kind of made it his own. Um, little, little thinner than the way JRJR drew him, but it still, um, it still kind of had that, that attitude. So it was, it really was a, um, a fun time to be a Spidey fan, but that's, that's pretty much, yeah, I think, I think you cannot, if, if you start with where Vince takes you up into right where I say, um, right when, um, Spidey goes through the, the portal and ends up on Battleworld, that is, that, that is some fantastic. And for me, not to say, you know, once Michelini came on and Bagley was drawing the book after Larson took over from Todd, uh, there were some fun stories. You had, you know, Sidekicks Revenge. You had, but then you got the wedding dog. I'm going to forget the wedding. The US wedding deserves to be mentioned. Um, Even Marvel forgot the wedding. Thank you. Annual 21, baby. The, uh, with the variant covers, you had, um, the, uh, you also had them bringing back. Peter's parents, who of course had to be agents of Shield, they were just. It was, you know, I had no problem with them then killing off May. So I, I was kind of not really so heavily involved in it at that point. But like I said, from there's working, been a, I mean, there's been a, trem- a tremendous amount of quality. Oh, there's been a. Oh, absolutely. There, there. What was that issue? Uh, the the nine eleven issue, the silent issue. That was amazing. That was number thirty six. Okay. Black, black cover. Yeah. Incredible. Which which pissed off a lot of people apparently because Doom cries, Doom sheds a tear. Yeah, I, I was against that too when it came out, didn't I? Wasn't I? Might have been. It's it's been documented in the bullpen bulletin, mm-hmm. so you can just go back and listen to it. The Hobgoblin yeah. stuff was great. To your point. Yeah, yeah, that was great. Um, well, and we should. I mean, I don't know what he's read and what he hasn't, but I, I mean, I think the uh, the, the 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 brand new day stuff is. Oh, what's with the webheads? Absolutely. That, that yeah. I mean, once we got again, the the, the what do we call them? The spider. Uh, what were those guys called for a while? They they well they were 
wasn't was it the webheads or were they, no. they went to brain where they went to brain trust was it the spider trust it was the revolving it was the it was it was, it was what, the, three it times was, a month it was whacker yeah and, and he had you, you had Scott, you had wade yeah um Christos gage Guggenheim, mm-hmm. gage yeah yeah no, that was a lot of fun. That was the I, that was the first time in a lot of years I got back into Spidey. So that was a brand new met. day. Mm-hmm. So uh, there's lots of stuff. I don't know. There's I forget. Where do you guys stand on the Loeb sale Spider-Man Blue? I've never read it. No, really. Yeah. Oh, uh, absolutely. I, I, it is. Um, it's is a. I, I it. I'm, I'm stopping myself short from saying it is, uh, it, it is a really, really good story. I really, really like it. Um, I don't necessarily, I don't know if it's a top five for me, mm-hmm. but it is a, um, it's a really, I, I, I definitely recommend it. It's a, uh, it's, it's a nice story with, you know, with, with if you don't know, it's it's a flashback. It's it's Peter is is um basically reminiscing about the past and and one particular uh moment in time where it was uh it was it was the old gang with with Flash and with Gwen. And it is kind of like a love letter to Gwen. Um and and Mary Jane is she Really doesn't show up until the last issue as he's finishing telling the story, but it, it's it's touching. I, I, I like it a lot. Um, of course, we can't forget to mention Spider-Man Rain. Yes, we can. <laughs> uh, it was it was Dan Slott, Mark Guggenheim, Bob Gale, and Zeb Wells. Right, Zeb Wells. That was another member of the crew. Right. Nice. Well, thank you to the patrons for those questions. We have a bunch more in the queue, and by all means, if you are a patron, uh, by you know. Feel free to throw your questions into the mix because I don't think we intend to take them in order per se. We'll try and match them up to uh, whatever's floating our boat in the moment and whatever's timely. Well, I was wrong. It's not Mike Esposito on inks. No, no, it's it's Frank uh, Giacoya. Giacoya, wow. and yes. uh, Dave Hunt. Ah, oh, Dave Hunt, yes, because because he yeah. was Hunt inked. Uh, he was inking Burn on. Marvel team up. Um, yeah, he was he was inking everybody. It's just that whenever you say Ross Andrew, you expect to hear Mike Esposito on the same yes. breath. But no absolutely. doubt, no doubt. Yeah, Jason, you know what? When you were talking about X Men and, and long runs and and buying out of out of habit, I give you a lot of crap for loving the X Men, and one of the reasons I do that it's a defense mechanism because I have wasted thousands and thousands of dollars on the X Men. Because I've, there were many, many, many years that I just bought all the books right. just because I always did mm-hmm. and, and didn't read them, just bought them and, and shelved them and that's it. And, and I, I'm, I feel this massive guilt for wasting that much money uh, stupidly, really, just because I've, uh, just to buy something that I always buy, it's not a habit that, right. that I, I kind of projected on you for loving the X. Sorry, buddy. I'm, I'm over it. Yeah, I know. But mm-hmm. I wish I can get that money back. What are you going to do? Right. You can't get that money back. Uh, yeah, I, a fraction of it I got back. Well, there you go. There you go. It was the uh, it was the Spidey Brain Trust. The Brain Trust. 
Woot, woot. All right, let's talk about the comics again. There was one that, uh, actually two, that I hope we both, we all have read. You guys caught up on the God Country? Yes. Yes. Uh, I believe so. It was five, five, I believe this one? Yes. Four and five. Four yes. and five. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, written by Donnie Cates, illustrated by Jeff Shaw, colorized by Jason Wordy. I did not uh, expect it to go in this direction. Uh, as, you mean where the fifth issue ends? Yes. Or, okay. Yes, yes. I didn't expect those three little words at the end of the fifth issue. Right, right. Um, so, uh, in a nutshell, you'll remember that Emmett Quinlan possesses the mighty sword Valifax. It cures his Alzheimer's and makes him what he was before. Uh, his daughter, uh, the, a tomb wants, Lord of the Kingdom of Always wants his sword back. And Emmett's not going to give it to him. He's just not going to do it. Because in doing so, in surrendering the sword, he surrenders his identity. Uh, he goes back to the way he was before and is not the same person. So he's not giving the sword up. Uh, meanwhile, Atum's son, Balegrim, comes and attacks the uh, the Quinlan residence and kidnaps Emmett's granddaughter, takes her to hell. So Emmett follows. He goes to hell to rescue his granddaughter, Dina. Um, meanwhile, back on the surface, Roy and Janie are trying to stay alive as Bailgrim's undead are storming the, 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 the cabin. Bailgrim kind of tricks Emmett into believing that his dead wife is in front of him and he drops the sword. And you think, okay, it's kind of all over now because he, he ha- Emmett has to physically touch the sword or he reverts to, to his previous state, which isn't the case because he drops, no. he drops the sword and he's still Emmett. Uh, maybe because he was in another realm. I don't know. Maybe, maybe because the sword took control and was keeping him um I don't think it's instantaneous. No. I think it I, I think it might need to wear off, but what um what also I mean it, it is um yeah, because it's not even really nearby. So mm-hmm. you can't even say because even even yeah, even the sword is, is screaming to not yeah, it's like no, yeah, dude. Like, don't don't let go of me. Um, so Balegrim picks up the sword, and Valifax obviously has a mind of its own because um, he kind of. I, I'm thinking he protects Emmett while he turns the tables on Balegrim, and then once Emmett realizes that the whole thing with, with Elizabeth was a ruse, he goes completely apeshit, full on berserker mode. Takes. Valifax, he, he just cuts cuts Balegrim to ribbons, um, kills him. He did, yeah. Well, it only be, but it, it's not. But Balegrim's literally a shell of his former self because the sword, the sword wants nothing to do with him. Because as soon as he picks it up, yeah. So you're he, not worthy. Like, you're not exactly. You you are 
the opposite. So, um, you don't deserve what you already have. And, and he basically just shrills up. And, and then at that point, and, and Emmett is extremely irritated, putting it mildly. And, and of course he's mm-hmm. going to take it out on, uh, on Belgram. So it's not like there was much of a fight to begin with, but it, it, Belgram was not at full strength. Um, but I don't think it would have mattered. Right. I, I love the fact that aside from um, Aristus, everybody looks busted. And that, that plays into the fact that um, once we learn the backstory of Atum, he's, he captured a son to use as the forge for Valifax. And since he did that, like he just killed billions of people. Just to forge this sword, and and every in uh, his kingdom is in massive decline because mm-hmm. of all the energy and all the resources he expended to forge this sword. It was at the expense of his his subjects. So they should uh, Atum and and Belgrim and Aristus they should look busted because they're coming from a place that's almost what are they orbiting a black hole. Like didn't didn't the, the 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 planet crumble to the point where Atum just had enough mojo left to just make sure that this giant chunk of his kingdom floating in space was preserved and everything else is just gone. Yeah, it, it's a husk of its former self, and uh, and and it's held in place of constant pain by a dying old man. Yeah. Yeah, but the thing that's really compelling about this book is Emmett and Arist and uh, Atum are basically they basically have the same goal. If if Emmett gives up the sword, everything he's he has is gone. If um, Atum doesn't get the sword, everything he has is gone. So they're basically fighting for the same thing. One's just more despicable than the other. And and is is careless to uh, you know heedless to human life where Emmett at least still has uh, some kind of conscience since I mean he loves his granddaughter he loves his family mm-hmm. but they're bas- basically just trying to preserve what what they've worked for right it's that's a neat little hook mm-hmm. and, and probably the best the best that it's not just that's the best part of it story, I think. Hmm. And in issue five, um, uh, 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 what's his, Aristus confronts Emmett and beat the crap out of each other. And, and, um, David, sum it up, issue five. Like, what, what do you think is going to happen next? Hmm. Uh, well, first, I have I have one problem with the fifth issue. Oh boy! Oh uh, yeah, because we kick it off with a flashback, or uh, the Kingdom of Always, a long, long time ago, and so we get the recap of this place, and then we get the Kingdom of Always now, as as the um, as the king is uh is sending his uh his other son to face Emmett but it says now 
but then after this happens, then we're Texas, and that it's like everything was everything was going along so well. But how could that be now? If now we're in Texas and they're facing off, it's like it was just that everything was just it was a nice flow until ever the damn captions. Um, <laughs> the, I, I still don't, I still don't get it. What do you mean? We get a flashback, as, right? And then we and and then the king calls his son. And says, Belgrim failed me. Now you have to go handle this, right? Yeah. But in that conversation, at the start, it says now. So so the time is now. This is happening right this second. But it reads as if it's also a flashback because then Homie shows up to face Emmett. So now this is this is really now. Oh, I get you. Mm-hmm. So it was just it was it was just a, a, a flow killer for me. It was just it, not a bait. It, it not doesn't mean stop reading it and 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 chuck the issue away. But it was just with everything else it, that it it stood out because everything else has just been so pretty damn well crafted. Um, the fight scene, the knockdown drag out was intense. Um, Janie and Roy. Are looking to get the hell out of the house. Um, there was some pretty interesting conversations though between these two issues, where um, Roy's going to pray, and and Janie's just like the fuck out of here with that noise because it's like with every, everything that's going on, you're going to now. And he says, seriously, if 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 everything that is going on doesn't cause you to have you know to put your faith in, and so I, I get both sides of the conversation, but. Um, it was I would normally I would have expected the roles to be reversed there. Um but apparently Janie don't suffer no fools. So they're 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 gonna hightail it out of there with their daughter. Um but uh because of the fight, uh they really can't drive away. Um But Emmett ends up with both the sword and the hammer. Um and just one thing about the fight, though. There's a point where Emmett doesn't really give a shit about what happens to his family. He's so intent on yep. on bringing the hammer down, pun intended. Yep. Where it takes um, Dina, one small voice, yeah, yep. to say, "Hey, Grandpa, y- yeah, you're messing Ray, shit up big time." Ray, Grandpa, Ray, 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 that in a bit. Yeah, um, which is again that just mirrors. A tomb, like he did not care that he killed billions of people just to forge just this damn sword. And why should he? Be- it's true. Because that's not nice. No, it's not but nice. He's a god. He doesn't care about mortal. Exactly. You he don't, should care. He's a shitty god. He let his kingdom. Yeah. He let his kingdom fall to waste. No doubt. No doubt. Um, but as as everything that's going on, it really is pretty much one. Emmett. She's one, one, just one course of action, uh, to take and, um, for, for good or bad. And, and, uh, he just decides to. He's going to confront. the fight yeah. to, uh, to, to, to homie's, homie's front door. And, and that's, uh, it's, yeah. I think each issue, Shaw just looks 
better and better. There's definitely a, a hollow and an Opeña-esque look yeah, to yeah. the art, and 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 I like it a lot. And Wordy's colors, I think, complement him very well. Uh, it, it's a good look. I don't know if this book would work in black and white. The colors, especially when 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 you have the fight scenes and, and the effects from from the sword um, and everybody's little accessories, it, it mm-hmm. it's it's a solid solid looking book. And, um, I, I it, it's not, I, you know, you're going to ask me, Vince, where do I think it's going? I, I don't think it ends on a happy note that I just, I, I, I can't, I can't see every, if I don't know if it's going to go back to the way things were, which means it's not going to be happy because then Emmett isn't going to be. The Emmett we've gotten to know in this story, um, and therefore, you know, Dana's going to lose her grandfather again because um, he's not going to be the person that that she knew for these few days, and uh, and that's if he even survives this, you know. So I don't. I I'm guessing. I'm just guessing. Yeah, we have not here up until this point. We haven't seen. Any indication that the sword is capable of doing this, but I'm guessing that Valifax is going to absorb Emmett at some point, mm. retaining the present day Emmett, not the Alzheimer's Emmett. Right. And Dina's going to get the sword. Oh, so, that makes so, sense. So she could yeah. be. So she could be with Grandpa. That makes sense. I like that. I think you just got it. Because David's right. Like, what possible resolution can come from this? Emmett's, it, it, it has to end on a, it, you would think it was g- gonna end on a down note because you got this old man with this massive sword mm-hmm. taking on a god, blah, blah, blah. He, he's going to die, whether he succeeds or fails, he's going to die at some point. And sure. just to make it, because again, what Jason said about commercial viability, if this series sells well, you want to leave it open, for, for further stories, I think the best way to do that is to make Emmett part of the sword and give it to Dean. Right. Yeah. And I don't know if it plays a part in this, but if you look at the cover to number six, the sword seems to be cracked and shattered and broken in places. Yeah. That's a Simonson sword. That's <laughs> oh, a, it's that, a Simonson sword, yeah. <laughs> that, that's been places. No, that's pretty cool. I, I love this series. I think it's it, totally unexpected. Yeah, came out of nowhere. Uh, I love. Um, I love the art. I think uh, again, g- both of these gentlemen who are talking are right on the money. This Jeff Shaw is phenomenal. That he is, and I, I, I I'm, I'm digging these collector pins. They have they have they have Valifax collector pins. They have a uh, antique silver medal with yellow glitter enamel. And then they have the Hell Limited Edition of Valifax, which is uh, black nickel metal sandblasted recesses with deep red glitter enamel. Mm-hmm. Mm. And you can get the set for 25 bucks according to their website. Both of them? Both of them for $25. Do you sell them individually? Mm. Yes. Because I'm kind of yes. liking the yellow uh, one better. The yellow, I think, is twelve ninety nine, and the Hell is 14 or, I mean, it's cheaper as a set, but yes, the the yellow is a um, is slightly cheaper. Nice. I may just get one. I'm thinking about it. 
Jeff Shaw will be. Yeah, I'm, I, I, and I'm tempted to find out if you might have him there. Why are you but, laughing? Yeah. You're funny. Any, any opportunity. Yeah. <laughs> he loves and it. We'll he loves be there. It. Yeah. We'll be heroes as well. Mm-hmm. We might even be wearing some new T-shirts. Okay. Well, Jason won't be because he doesn't do T-shirts. I may. What's up with <gasps> that? I may uh, in honor of how very special these T-shirts are in question. They, they are very special If uh, in, in keeping with... Uh, the, the the trend tonight is as we near the end of the episode uh, before we get to our in your travels if you go to eleven o'clock comics dot threadless dot com you will see some t shirts that we have available and this is also something else that uh, the listeners were requesting uh, specifically the album art that we've had over the years and you can. Um, you can get uh, a, a snazzy T-shirt or a three-cutter, three-cutter, three-quarter. Get a Susie turd cutter. Get a three-quarter. You're so bad. A three-quarter sleeve uh, softball jersey. Uh, based, But, yes, you can get the current... Album art by Mr. Jonathan Gordon. You can get last year's awesome album art by Gonzo. Sure. And have the, uh, the 2015 11 o'clock comics album art from Mr. Daniel White and, uh, our old, old friend of the show, uh, from way back in the bullpen bulletin days. Zerso did the, uh, did the art for 2013, which we, um, just said what the hell and kept it for 2014, but we also have our logos and uh, and the awesome the awesome logos from Mr. Mickey Rossi and uh, and the fabulous uh, heads from Andy Jewett. But yes, check those shirts out. Um, I cannot wait to uh, to get a couple because Lord knows, thanks to the Marvel Collector Corps and everything else, I, I don't have any T-shirts at all. Yeah. Uh, I'm looking at my Evernote uh, notes. We covered everything that. I intended to cover. Nice. Except for the much-anticipated Vince B. original EOC logo coming very soon. Yes. It's going to be raw. I'm not going to be able to wear it in front of mom. Really? Trying to move units here, player. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. (laughs) As usual, this episode of 11 O'Clock Comics has been sponsored by Discount Comic Book Service. Save yourself some bread and get more comics to boot. They get, them, boot that. They get them to you fast, safe, secure, all wrapped up in plastic like Laura Palmer and delivered right to <laughs> your very front door or back door, depending on the deal you Ooh, organized. Uh, DCBService.com. In your travels... I was extremely surprised by this first issue. Um, to be honest, the cover does not indicate uh, the contents, but that's okay. I uh, I perused it anyway because it has ties to Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. And far be it from me to ignore anything uh, Victor Frankenstein-based, so I read from Boom Comics the first issue of Victor Laval's Destroyer, number one. Written, of course, by Victor Laval 
illustrated by Dietrich Smith, color art by Joanna Lafuente. It begins with the Frankenstein monster tooling around in Antarctica, just where he should be. He's he's sitting on a big old glacier, dives into the freezing cold water, and he cavorts with Jason. This is where you should listen. He co- right. he cavorts with a uh, is it a school of whales? It's a pod of whales. A pod. He 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 cavorts with a pod of whales. Uh, he's he's swimming around with Mama, touching her side, and and Mama has a calf. And and they're just having a, a good time. He's at peace. He's 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 tranquil. He's communing with nature. And out of nowhere, a Japanese whaler comes and harpoons the mother, harpoons the yes, calf, motherfucker. kills kills them both, and the Frankenstein monster goes ballistic, boards the whaling vessel, obliterates the crew, and notices that there's another vessel in the vicinity. Uh, so he he sets out to do the exact same thing, but when he gets on board, the mm-hmm. uh, it's it, the ship is under the uh, jurisdiction of Captain Clerval and his beautiful redheaded daughter. Um, she says, "Whoa, whoa, 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 whoa! We we we're not with the whalers. We're we're just we actually we obstruct the whalers. We get in their way. We 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 make it very difficult for them to do what they do. We are on your side." Um, don't please don't kill us. Like she's not really she doesn't shriek when the Frankenstein monster boards. Like it's just another occurrence. Like oh my god, this patchwork man just boarded our ship. He just just whatever. And um, so she tries to inform the Frankenstein monster of everything that has transpired in the time that he's been traipsing around Antarctica, which is like two hundred and some odd years. And she mm-hmm. gets her little iPad and she's showing him things and he's he's going through it and she falls asleep. And he goes – he accesses information that she would rather not have him access like the uh, developments in genetic engineering and man playing God and, and cloned sheep and, and uh, gene splicing and all that and he just loses it. He takes the ship and the the ship is about to dock and does not reduce engine speed. The ship goes kablooey, smashes the dock. The the daughter's killed. Um, We don't know what happens to the captain, but the the Frankenstein monster exacts his vengeance on on the modern world. He's not having it. There's a shadow organization called The Lab who gets word of this. As soon as this happens, somebody somewhere picks up a phone and he's like, he's resurfaced. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they set out to secure the involvement of a woman named Dr. Baker. What does Dr. Baker do? Uh, she is seems to be very fluent in code weaving and uh, genetics. She also is in possession of Victor Frankenstein's journals. Uh, she's drunk when we first meet her and has a smart car. And the car has an artificial intelligence that 
knows that she's drunk, monitors her heart rate and her the amount of alcohol in her blood and and pilots her home. He's like, you're lucky that I could drive because you're in no condition to do so. Pi- takes her home and she's talking to this artificial intelligence the whole time. And he knows a lot of things about her. She knows a lot of things about the artificial intelligence. I'm like, where is this going? Turns out her son died when he was 12. And uh, we can assume that the artificial intelligence is either based upon her son Mm-hmm. Or um, she somehow managed to secure his consciousness and and created code to approximate that. I, you don't really know, but she's doing a little bit of experimenting at the end, and she finds the solution to a problem that's been plaguing her for a while through Victor Frankenstein's journal. And there's a revelation at the end that makes one believe that her son is coming back. She has managed to pull her son across the threshold of death, much like Victor Frankenstein. So it's a cool series, and it has ties to Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. I'm okay with that, right? Yeah, um, you are. Yeah, Victor Lavelle's Destroyer Number One. Very surprising. The art by Dietrich Smith is is um, in turn exquisite. Whenever he's doing um, Doctor Baker, beautiful woman. African-American woman, just gorgeous, stunning. She's got a lock of white hair, too, that kind of hangs down like Abby Arcane. Um, uh, but when he does the Frankenstein monster, it's um, it's not Wrightson. Let's just say that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I kind of like the design of the monster, but I think um, more exploration into the character could have been done. That's okay. Mm-hmm. But uh, as a whole, it's a great first issue. I recommend it. Read it. I think it's 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 gangbusters. Victor nice. Laval's Destroyer, number one from Boom. Check it out. Laval. Uh, in your travels, um, something that has been on my list for a long time, and I can finally get rid of that folder that has images in it so Vince can... Add him to the episode. This is um, written by Keith Giffen. Beautifully illustrated by Miss Bilquis Evely. Mm. And colored by Ivan Placencia. This is the trade paperback collecting the serialized story from the Legends of Tomorrow anthology Sugar and Spike Metahuman Investigations. Uh, this, I, this, I read, I checked out solely because of the creative team. Um, I, I know who Sugar and Spike are based on, you know, the old who's who issues. So I, I know I wasn't expecting them to be all growns up and I, I didn't know that that's where just I he's, I see Sugar and Spike, or I see those names, and I think of the little kids. Um, obviously, I see the cover to this, and they're not little kids, but I, I'm glad to see that they have grown up and they're basically private investigators. Um, this is uh, Bilquis has absolutely no problem moving action along. Uh, the stories are – I love Keith Giffen because what he did – is he he took 
various stories, um, pretty much done in ones, but he, he took, um, six stories from the Silver Age, uh, a detective comics story, action comics, Wonder Woman, Green Lantern, The Flash, and Adventure Comics. Well, the Adventure Comics one isn't really, doesn't, um, so much tie in as, as some of the, basically, for example, the Wonder Woman story, uh, from number 155, I Married a Monster by Bob Kaniger, Ross Andrew, there you go, Vince, and Mike Esposito. And that is, um, Wonder Woman is basically bamboozled into marrying an alien. And, uh, the events from that story, uh, and, and, present day Wonder Woman asks Sugar and Spike for help because now um, the alien is basically blackmailing her and uh, to, to say that you know yes we were married and you married an alien uh, and the whole world is going to know and, and he's totally going to do the whole Maury Povich TMZ type deal and so they have to put a stop to that. The action comic story was about uh, the secret of Superman Island from Action Comics 224 um and that was that uh, Superman had an island built that that was kind of that looked just like him, and and uh, and again because people are young and foolish, he doesn't want really that to get out. So um, again, that's when Sugar and Spike come in to um, make sure things are all kept hush. Uh, so I love the fact that. Uh, Giffen used these old stories and just you know, plucked them out and, and decided to have, um, have these two solve the, these problems that these heroes, that, that these new 52 heroes have, but using, uh, old Silver Age stories as, as the, uh, again, saying that, well, I was, you know, Batman had a shit ton, the Rainbow Batman story from Detective Comics 241. It's like, you know, he had, Different outfits and, and, and Batman didn't really request, he didn't, he didn't hire them, but, uh, the, the different colored costumes were, were part of the backdrop for that story. But this really was just, uh, this was a fun little, um, bunch of stories. Sugar is, is a complete bitch. She is, um, she, she's rude and, and mean to Spike, who, you can kind of tell has feelings for her and she may care for him, but she is just, she is cold and has, and nobody got time for that. And, and she's just going to, you know, there, there's a job at hand and, and that's what they're, she, he, he's almost expendable because he, she uses him to, you know, draw the fire, the line. She tries to avoid the line of fire by basically just having him be the one that gets shot at, um, just as long as she can solve the problem that, that they've been hired to, to solve. But it is, it, it looks fantastic. Uh, Giffen is still funny. It, it's, it's a well told story. There's this whole, um, there's a museum and, uh, and, and it ends on, on a happy note. I'd like to see it, um, I'd like to see more stories with this, even in this setting. It, it was, it was a lot of fun. I was surprised. I'm glad I read it. If, if, uh, if you're looking for something to just, you know, that, that isn't heavy, 
and and just want to kind of have have some fun with and and think back on some of the old crazy stories from back in the day then uh, you could do worse this is uh this is really um something i'd recommend it may end up on my 11 o'clock when it comes to a collected edition oh, damn. we will see we will yeah. see i really like it i i think it's uh i, I think it would surprise people it, it's not going to you know it 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 it's not going to spark off the next big event but it is just really a uh a, a nice diversion from some of the other ongoing or, or heavy or you know if, if you want to take a break from whatever the hell the watchmen are going to do in the dc universe things like that mm-hmm. then then you can check this out i thought it was great i'm glad you did yeah nice stunning art it, it looks great yeah, yeah seriously and can you say i love keith giffen again i love keith giffen thank you you're welcome in your travels uh, first I call your attention to an article that we posted a link to in our Facebook group by Paste Magazine I have to give Paste a, a lot of credit they're, they're doing some interesting work in comics as a category lately at a time when a lot of the traditional comic book sites are either frankly shutting down or have become just an absolute mess when it comes to pop-ups and advertising. It's uh, that wasn't going to go down this road, but CBR is it is unconscionable to be that anyone could even go to CBR at this point. With how many <laughs> pop-ups and interstitials and everything you get on that site? But yeah. uh, anyway, but paste deserves credit because they are doing it the old school way. Just great articles, no interstitials about comics, and uh, an article uh, a week or two ago caught my attention. Um, which was uh, the 10 best comic artists of 2017 so far. Now, I know a lot of groans, people hate lists, they hate top 10 lists, and I hear you, I do. But this article stands above the fray because, first of all, it comes from an awesome place, which is exposing people to great creators that they may not know already. And second of all, the list is appealing because it introduced me, at least, to a number of books that I heretofore weren't even uh, aware of. Um, now, the list is uh, a, a mix of people we already know and, uh, and again, new people. Um, so I'll quickly hit on the list. Christian Ward for Black Bolt. Uh, our man, Daniel Warren Johnson for Extremity. Uh, Jock, who's probably the veteran of this group by far, uh, for All-Star Batman. Emil Ferris for My Favorite Thing is Monsters, which I'm going to... Leaves to the side for now, but I assure you we're going to revisit that in great detail in the next week or two. Yeah, I need to get it. Um, Ray Fox for Underwinter. Uh, Bilquis Evely yes. for Wonder Woman. Um, Nick Darrington for Doom Patrol. Uh, Russell Dowderman for The Mighty Thor. Jamal Campbell, uh, who, as I understand it, is mostly a cover guy. He's doing covers for Prowler, Vixen, The Power Rangers. Uh, and then last but certainly not least, Lorena Alvarez for a book called Nightlights. Um, Nightlights is, uh, produced by No Brow Press. And when I saw the preview art in this article, I went to Amazon and immediately ordered the book and have since read it, uh, both, I sat down and read it myself and then I have read it to my youngest son. Uh, it was the recipient of a junior library guild award this year and um it is we used 
terms like stunning a lot when we talk about art, but, but this is, this book is, it's like looking at a, a, a poster, a, co- a beautifully rendered color poster every page after page. Um, the story is essentially that, uh, there's a little girl in a South American country named Sandy. She goes to Catholic school. She has an amazing imagination and all she really wants to do is draw, um, and, uh, bring her, her imagination to life. She has a very vivid dream state that is reminiscent, uh, of, of Little Nemo in Dreamland. Um, you know, when she, when she dreams, she's immersed in this vibrant world full of, uh, intensely colorful creatures and fauna and flora. Uh, and it's a very happy place. And, uh, she's constantly creating new, new ideas in her head and, and, and bringing them to life. And she comes across a little girl named Morphe. Um, but Morphe is not what she seems. Uh, and we, we find out that Morphe is in fact, uh, a bit sinister. And Sandy has to, um, deal with Morphe's sinister intentions, uh, both in the real world as well as her dream world, uh, and find a way to, um, regain control of her life, if you will. Uh, but, uh, this book is, it's short. It's, it's, you know, it's interesting when I, uh, I listened to an interview with Jim Rugg a few months back, a podcast, and he was taught, and he mentioned this in the interview that we did with him as well, uh, on the site, he mentions how he's been uh, fascinated of late with storybooks. Um, and the idea that storybooks really are in many ways, comic books and vice versa. Storybooks are not thought of as synonymous with comics, but if you think about it, they are illustrated sequential stories. Um, the packaging's a little different in that it's smaller page count generally with, with hardcover, perfect bound hardcovers. But in essence, they're, they're comics in his mind. And he's been playing with the idea of the two interchanging. And I think this book is probably the perfect, il- uh, uh, illustration of his point, which is that, you know, I could hand this book to someone and say, here's a new children's book for you to read to your kids. And they would read this not ever once if they weren't comic fans thinking of it, thinking of this as a comic. But when we see it from no brow, uh, and, and being comics fans, I look at this as a graphic novel. But either way, it is an incredible story. Uh, it's a short read. Uh, it's, it's 20 minutes beginning to end to read your, your kids or yourself. So it's, it's not, it's not a, a difficult read at all. Uh, and it's just the colors and the imagery. It's just a sight to behold. Uh, it has a happy ending for those wondering. So it's uh, definitely safe for your kids. Um, and in essence, you, you read this and you almost feel like you're, you're, you're looking at a coffee table book rendering of, uh, a Miyazaki cartoon in many ways. Um, it was awesome. Absolutely awesome. And, uh, it deserves all the attention, uh, that we can give it. So once again, it's called Nightlights, all one word, uh, by No Brow. Uh, the creator is Lorena Alvarez, who, who writes and draws the book. And, uh, it comes with the highest of, of, of Woodrow recommendations. Nice. On it. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if you need to pull an image for the show, Vince, but I, I got have it. one for you. Okay, cool. Already in there, buddy. Nice. You're the man. It's true. And mm-hmm. and you all are the men and women for uh, being here with us again this week because, do I have to say it? You know. David gets a little, little woozy. Um, so... Please come to our 11oClockComics.com website and peruse all the great content we got on there. 
Come on to the Facebook group. Um, check out our Patreon, please. Talk to us on Twitter. Just, you're one of the family. You should communicate with us, right? As always, say goodnight. I'm just going to get a little drink here. David. Oh, I need water. Good night. You not say anything about getting water? David. <laughs> Did you hear Jason? Shit's getting real. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thanks, everybody. Hey, leave us an iTunes review if you're so inclined or wherever else you, you heard this thing. And uh, come back with us next week because we'll be right here waiting for you Mm-hmm. because we love you so much that's yeah, true it is true es verdad si es verdad si. that's right bye mm. claro que si sí.